Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, happy Monday to everybody out there in our A's family and Major League Baseball fans. Sean Manaya, the big lefty, is going to join us at 4.15. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today at 4.30. Sandy Alderson, now the president of the New York Mets, was just back with the A's, will join us from Florida at 5.30. The voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, will be here at 6. And Martin Gallegos from MLB.com will be here at 6-3. And no, I don't have a lot of questions for Martin about today's game where the A's got roasted 10-3. But the big news for me, leading into today, and I know I, I know I talk about this way too much, but but it just it, 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 it means something to me. It's what's going to happen in 2021. Finally, they're going to have to pay. They're going to have to pay for what they have done. And everybody knows they did a lot more than they would they got accused of. Finally, it's happening. It is so sad that the Houston Astros COVID-19 helped them. Am I still bitter about the A's losing in the playoffs? Maybe. But now they're starting to get it. Cody, as they used to say in television, roll the tape. Six-time All-Star, Jose Altuve. Four-time Silver Slugger. Three batting championships under his belt. As he hears it from the sparse crowd at Roger Dean Stadium. Get used to it. Dan, we were robbed of a lot of things last year, but that is high up on the list still of booing the Astros. That's the St. Louis Cardinals. That's Midwest people. That's the Cardinals don't boo. 
do now. That's probably mostly everybody from Florida. Who are we kidding? Um, but think about that. People in Florida at a St. Louis Cardinals game are booing. They're finally going to air. I'm telling you right now. Commander, you sent me that article today. ESPN put a list of teams out that they think that who made the playoffs last year, why X amount of teams may make it, and then they had a had a, a, a basically a paragraph after that telling you why they could be wrong. Well, once again, the A's are this team that everybody's telling you about the Astros, everybody's talking about the Angels. And the A's are sitting here lying in the weeds again. I don't know how it's possible that a team that's won 97 games two straight years follows that up with a division win. And they projected to win 97 again. That's three straight years winning 97 games. And every single year, no one picks them. David Force, general manager, said on this show, he likes the underdog role. They like playing that role. I just, I think it's lazy. And I'm going to stick by my guns. The Astros aren't going to be great again. They weren't great last year, and they're not going to be great again this year. They're going to buckle. Mark my words. Do you know how hard it is to travel the country and everybody's calling you dirty and everybody's calling you a cheater? And everybody wants to get in your face. And every, you know, how hard, I, I don't care if there's just 11,000 people in the ballpark. You're going to hear it. They didn't have to hear it last year. They're going to hear it this year. Mark my, so Cody, Commander Cody is sticking to his guns that A.J. Puck should be a reliever. And he's owning that. And if that ever happens, you're going to have to hear about that a ton. And I'm sticking to my guns. I don't think the Astros are going to be that good. I think they're going to buckle. And everybody's going to be like, oh, wow, Bob Melvin and the A's. Here we go again. Four straight years. How are you, Cody? Uh, I'm good. And we'll get into that article later because it's interesting because uh, my COVID Marlins are on there, and they're number one on the list. Their playoff percent, their playoff odds this year are at a amazing 1% uh, after being in the playoffs last year. And they won a series last year in the postseason, mind you, against everyone's favorite David Ross, Rossi in the Cubs. But you mentioned the Astros, and I agree with you about they're going to have to wear it about the uh, cheating and the booing and all that. Well, uh, Alex Bregman has a, you know, a nagging uh, hamstring injury. Framber Valdez fractured his finger. No Justin Verlander. Their top pitching prospects having is recommending he needs to have Tommy John surgery. They did sign Jake Odorizzi. Good signing, two-year deal. We don't have the financial details just yet. But, man, if that Bregman injury lingers – for him, he's our best well, – I, I would say he's our best hitter right now because Altuve kind of took a step back last year. But uh, it's going to be a, a long year for Houston, especially because we don't know what their pitching staff is going to be. Is Granke going to go back to Zach Granke of old and wanting to be a, a 20 or 10 home run, 10 stolen base guy? Or is he going to be Zach Granke of last year he struggled? So them writing uh, – ESPN writing off who's, the A's. Who's closing for them? Huh, I haven't looked up the Astros depth chart yet because we haven't got to them, but – I would, uh, I would say Ryan Presley maybe will be their closer, and he has a good spin I mean, they, rate. I mean, I, I, I mean, they got questions. They got questions all over the place. Are they going to trade Correa? 
if they can't get stumped because he's a free agent after this season, right? Yeah, and, and I know that like he wants to talk long term deal, but he wants to do it in the, you know before the season starts. But yeah, he's in that star studded class. It's like him, Lindor, Story, Baez, and Corey Seager. So yes, what are they going to do with him? And you know, you got a lot of question marks around the you know around the the field and the diamond for the Astros. Like, is Verlander going to be back at all this year? Like at all? So I, I mean, if you go on this, they want it to be around fourteen months. The answer would be no. And okay, maybe he does make it back, but that it's going to be really late in the season, and probably won't matter because I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going. I mean, look at them last. They weren't that good last year. They just got hot at the end. I just I I, I think the Astros are in big trouble, man. They're finally going to get it. I mean, you got the Cardinals booing them in Florida. What do you think it's going to be like at Yankee Stadium? What do you think it's going to be like in Anaheim? What do you think it's going to be like in Oakland? Opening day. Opening day. (laughs) I can't wait to see it. Opening day. People are going to be – A's fans, we're going to be so – I'm going to be screaming at them. Have you been working on getting us back in the ballpark, by the way, Cody? Uh, I mean, I can see what I could do. You're the one that has all the pull. I mean, you're the one one that's really close with Dave, uh, Dave Renetti. You guys are bro- you guys are like you guys are like brothers essentially. So I mean, if anyone if anyone can get us in the ballpark, it's you or Ray Fossey. Uh, maybe maybe, we, uh, maybe have Fossey. Well, we can just sneak around. in with Ray. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just walk in behind him. I, I, I have you ever walked into the stadium with Ray Fossey before? Uh, no, because I'm usually there way earlier than everyone else, so I've never got a chance to walk in with anyone. All right. Well, let me tell you something. I've always found it hilarious that all of us have to have our bags checked. Um, we've got to go through the metal detector. you got to take everything out of your pocket. It's like being at the airport. And then there's Ray Fossey who just walks all by it and doesn't stop and just keeps walking and says hello to everybody in security. Hi, Ray. Ray Fossey doesn't stop and go through security. Ray Fossey walks right through the security. <laughs> by the way, have you ever seen Ray Fossey with a press pass on? No, I just always see that little that little broadcasting thing. Sometimes that you, I mean, you have one of them, to like for all the broadcasters. But I, you're, I mean, very rarely do I even see that. I've never seen a press pass around Ray Fossey's neck. Now they'll ask us, "Hey, where's your pass?" If you don't have it on, Ray, he doesn't get asked. Uh, by the way, let's play the two home runs from yesterday. I think this is great news. And when you're talking about Matt Olson off to a good start. That's good, obviously. And then also the health of Chapman. And a swing by Olsen and a long fly ball to right. Back on to Johnson and out it will go. The good times continue for Matt Olsen this spring. His third long ball. He scores Marquena and gives Oakland an early 2-0 lead. So an early 2-0 advantage as Matt Chapman swings and he blasts one to left. Back on it goes Gamble to the track at the wall and on to the berm. Matt Chapman unloads on Pletko. His first long ball of the spring, and now it's 3-0 Oakland. Uh, you want hot take Monday? Uh, we live for hot takes. We're, now, we're, now, we're going, now you're going back into the old domain for me. I don't, I don't want to jinx him. but um, So I'll say it quietly. Matt Olson could win the MVP this year. I think it's a reality. 
I think Matt Olson is going to have a monster year. Everything in his life is going good. Just got engaged. You heard it here on A's Cast Live. Not the engagement, but him telling you about getting engaged. He's got a puppy. I mean, life is just good. And he's angry about how he struggled last year. And now with a full season and this whole story about virtual reality that the ace players are using, which I think it's just, it's awesome. I mean, basically, they can do virtual virtual reality and take at-bats off pitchers before they ever go out on the field. They get to see how the guy throws everything. Fastball, curveball, slider, split, change, whatever. So it's like you get to, because we, we've all, everybody at some point's done some type of gaming, right? The virtual reality gaming. Everybody's done that. And that's amazing, right? When you're, well, I mean, usually they're shoot 'em up games, but when you're like, like you're in a different world. Well, now if you're able to actually see exactly what the guy looks like, if I got if I got to do virtual reality before a game against Randy Johnson, I probably have a better shot than just going up there for the first time and this dude's 6'10 throwing 100 miles an hour. I think this virtual reality thing I think about golf. Like can you imagine if you could do virtual reality and play Pebble Beach before you go out and play Pebble Beach? Like I've already seen this. I've already programmed it in my mind. I mean, that's the thing. It's what I mean. You're, you're you're programming your mind before you ever step into the box, and if you could do that against Roger Clemens, or you could do that against Degrom, or you could do that, you know, whoever you think, great pitchers. I mean, wouldn't you love to do that against Greg Maddox? Because Greg Maddox is moving the ball all over the place, and I can't imagine when you when you took an at bat against him, he just never pitched to a barrel. Wouldn't it be better if I got to see Maddox for like an hour in virtual reality and then go out and be ready for that? And Jake Diekman said it best. I mean, it's like almost unfair, but, you know, hey, technology, data, technology, everything's improving. They're trying to make these guys, I mean, they're paying these guys a lot of money. They're trying to make them the best players they possibly can be. And if training your mind with virtual reality is the future, I'm digging it. I think it's I thought I thought it was a fascinating article. Well, you're talking to someone that's a you well, know, I am a big video gamer, so uh and will be the show comes out April twentieth. Everyone be ready. Uh especially if you have a next gen console you can build your own stadium, which is gonna be awesome. But uh I love the it's the Oculus is what they're using for virtual reality and I think it's really cool. And Bob Melvin actually talked about it. I don't know if you, here I'll play it for you. Here's what Bob had to say about the virtual reality when he was asked about it, uh I believe it was yesterday after the game. Trying out, brand new, yeah. Some of the, some of the other teams are using it extensively, so uh, just trying to to keep up technology wise. Where do you stand on that? Um, Deakman was saying that it seems like from a pitcher's standpoint, it really gives the hitter a, a kind of an edge, and there's nothing really uh, aside from normal analytics that are already there um, that a, a pitcher has to kind of counter it. But where do you stand on that? Yeah, no, I would agree. But anything that benefits our hitters, and if other teams are using it to advantage, then we should as well. I like it. It's a great idea. It, 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 to me, it's such more beneficial 
than sitting there and just watching your swing over and over again on video. Matt Olson has told us it screwed him up last year. Seth Brown, we talked to him. Uh, we talked to him on Friday. Yeah, we talked to Seth on Friday after the game. Yeah, and he talked about. You know, sometimes I don't. I don't want to look at my swing. You know, see ball, hit ball. Do we have Shamanaya calling in? He's supposed to be calling in. He's always when we tell him to call in, he always calls in on time. So he'll be here. Don't worry. Uh, we haven't got a chance to talk to him yet this week. Oh, see, as, as we say it, here he is. Sean, Chris Townsend, how are you? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing great, man. I got to tell you, it's for, for our fan base, it's just wonderful that you guys are playing, and it's just it, it's fantastic that we get to hear the fans on the broadcast. For you as players, just what is it like having fans back in the park? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean – Crazy what you miss, uh, you know, when, when it's gone and, and uh, you know, having fans back in the stadium, having that energy, having, uh, you know, just all the different sounds and um, people yelling at you, people yelling for you and, and uh, all, all the different emotions. It's, uh, you know, you can't replicate that. So, you know, I'm, I can't wait for wait to have fans back in the stadium. Yeah, beats uh, you and Chris Bassett sitting in the stands with the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, that was fun for a while, but, uh, you know, nothing beats the real thing, that's for sure. So for you, what was the main thing you, you wanted to work on this spring? Uh, main thing I want to work on this spring is just, um, you know, making sure all my pitches feel really good. And then, you know, taking you know, everything I, I felt like I did this offseason, uh, you know, put me in a really good spot. And, uh, you know, that's put me in a, in a spot where I'm at right now in spring training. And, and uh, you know, at this point, it's just making sure everything feels great and uh, just believing that, that it does, you know. So that's really what I'm working on, just having those, that feel, feeling things off my fingertips and, um, you know, just trusting everything else. You know, a lot of people don't understand that when you're not healthy and you got to rehab, just how miserable it, it really is. So for you going into this season, just tell us what it feels like that that's behind you and being healthy is just uh, it's one of the great feelings for a professional athlete. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when, when you're uh, when you're on the I.L. and you have all this time to uh, really just kind of evaluate where you are as a as a player um you know you uh you, you know you work on those things and then um you know it's just a very long process and then once you're uh you know you're finally healthy out there and then you put implement all those things um you know and, and then you start actually doing it and then you know you feel good um you know it feels it feels great so um just having no no issues with anything and then you know just going out and pitching and that's really the only thing i'm worried about um, that feels great. Well, you're a team guy, and we know that. And things that I try and say on this show, is I don't think the national people really understand how hungry you guys are. Like, you guys inside your clubhouse, it is all about winning. You guys got a ton of confidence, and it's about winning the World Series now. You guys have grown as a core. Talk about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the core that we have, uh, it's unbelievable, and you know, like you said, we're very hungry. You know, we've been been in the, the playoffs for the past three years in a row, and and uh, you know, it's great and all, but uh, you know, the ultimate goal is is a World Series World Series 
World Series trophy. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to, obviously, you know, we're not going to stop until we, uh, you know, we get there. And I, I definitely think that, you know, the group that we have this year is, um, is no different and, and, uh, you know, we're all hungry and, and we're all, you know, wanting that. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing, uh, you know, over the course of the season, but, um, yeah, it's, it's what we're all striving for. Well, and I think about your starting staff, and now that Mike Fires is back, and it's great to have Mike back. Just talk about the depth that you guys have with your starting rotation. Man, the depth that we have is crazy. Um, you know, there's a lot of couple of younger guys that, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people haven't really seen before, and and uh, just having having those guys, um, you know, backing up and um, you know just being there, uh, just seeing all the stuff they've had. This, uh, this spring training has been great. And, uh, you know, the guys that we do have in the starting rotation, um, you know, once we once we get in a groove, once we start a season and then we start feeding off each other, I think, um, you know, this is going to be a great season. I definitely think, uh, you know, we're, we're one of the best rotations in the league. So, um, you know, it's, it's, we're all itching to get out there and, and uh, prove what we got. You know, you came up uh, in 2016. And what's it like for you now? You're one of the veteran guys on the staff. I know it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of weird saying that I'm uh, I am you know like a veteran veteran guy, but you know at this point it's uh, I am, and uh, it's it's wild to you know think about that. It doesn't feel like 2016 was was that long ago. I mean, it's you know, only five years, but uh, still it's, it's crazy. Uh, you know how how much things have changed and and uh, you know how far I've come personally. So um, yeah, so it's a great ride, and and uh, you know I'm I'm on a you know, do something, do something special here. That's for sure. You know, when I think about the lefties on your staff, there's, you know, been a lot of question, you know, what's this year going to be like for AJ Puck? We, we talked to Hayes Luce Lazardo and they, they, they were throwing buddies in the off season, played a lot of golf together. Uh, supposedly, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly Jesus is a far better golfer than AJ Puck, according to him. But he, <laughs> he, he said he looks great. So what have you seen with AJ Puck? Uh, you know, from what I've seen, I've seen him throw a couple uh, bullpens. I wasn't able to see his. Uh, I think he threw a sim game yesterday. I want to say or two days ago, but um, I wasn't able to see that. But just talking to him, he, you know, he's, um, you know, he's confident with what he's what he's got, and you know, he feels feels healthy. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a stud. When he's out there, he's he's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, you know. Sad for him, you know, definitely a big season, big season coming, and and uh, you know, he's definitely uh, definitely got some special talent, that's for sure. You know, when you think about spring training, normally there's like guys everywhere, you know, because you got the minor leaguers there. What what, mm-hmm. what is it like not having the minor leaguers there, and and, and far less guys than you've ever seen at spring training? <laughs> yeah, it is uh, definitely weird. Um, I mean, the way it works here in the uh, with A's, uh, you know, our, the big league side and the uh, minor league side split up. Um, Hohokam is, is like, I don't know, like half a mile away from Fitch Park. So even, you know, when things are normal, we don't really see the minor league side um, unless we're going over there for like, you know, some kind of practice. But, um, you know, at this point, it kind of feels um, very similar to how it has been in the past. Um, you know, obviously we're socially distancing and, and uh, coming in groups and showing up at different times. But, um, you know, there's still the feel of, of a kind of like a full spring training. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know what you mean. It's, it's, uh, it's weird not seeing, 
uh, like the minor league guys and um, just having all those bodies. But um, yeah, so it's a uh, it's pretty so pretty pretty crazy thing, and there's definitely a lot of guys out here. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Well, yeah, and, and all of us we haven't seen each other in well over a year. Just what was the reaction by the players? when they found out that California is going to allow fans back in the stands? Uh, excitement. Um, you know, I think everybody wants to be out there with, with fans in the stadium. And, um, you know, like I said before, just that feeding off that energy, um, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate that. So, um, you know, having, having the news that, that we're able to, you know, open up and have um, whatever – capacity it is i think it's like it's a 20 percent, but you know whatever whatever amount of fan base uh that's allowed to come it's uh you know it's way better than nothing so um you know i think the boys are excited well it's great to have you on the program good luck the rest of the spring be well be safe and we'll see you back in oakland can't wait thanks Tony. yeah i can't wait sean and i are the big left-hander and i gotta tell you my bait my one of my preview magazines who do you think they have at the top of the rotation? Well, I would say Sean and I because I feel like the answer you're going at, but I would. I'm going I'm to ignore and say Jesus <laughs> Lazardo. No, it's Manaya, <laughs> Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo, Chris Bassett, who had the best year last year, and then AJ Puck. Well, Mike Fires hadn't signed yet, but AJ Puck. I mean. The guy's got immense talent. And that's, you know, that's really the tough thing is when you can't stay healthy, it's just, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. You don't feel a part of the team. You're always just rehabbing. I mean, this kid could be a top of the rotation type pitcher even though Cody wants him to be the closer. True. Um, but he has that kind of talent, and if if you could, I mean, you just think about if Puck and Jesus Lazardo can live up to the potential, I mean, those are like two potential aces in your rotation. Now you start talking about, like, the big three. That's a Mulder and Zito. I mean, you, you start, I mean, you start looking at these big arms with Frankie Montas and who knows what Jeffries and Caprellian and Holmes are going to be, but everybody still likes their arms. That's why when I say the depth that I think the national people really don't know, I don't expect national national writers to know who Dalton Jeffries is, right? I mean, they've got to cover all the teams, but I don't think the national media understands the depth that the A's have in the starting rotation. And if you're telling me, Mark Gubaza, our buddy Gooby, said on Friday, he thinks all these guys not throwing is not going to be good for them. So you're probably going to need a lot of starters because their strength, uh, you know, the way he put it, you know, he these old school guys, like, like a Mark Gubaza, want to throw 32 times a year. And like Sean and I, I'm just looking at his baseball reference. I mean, he only got, he only got 11 starts in. You know what a good answer about that? Um, I don't know if you want to play it now or not, but I got it the other day. Emo gave a great answer about going back to pitchers pitching in 2019. And he goes, I haven't seen any data on why they wouldn't be able to throw the, the same amount of innings. 
He's the only guy I've heard so far say that. Like how everyone said, like, you know, we got to be careful and all that. Emo's the only guy who's pretty much like, here, I'll, let me see if I have, I have the clip here. Um, here's Emo from his media session. Here's talking about pitchers in 2019 versus now. I've heard all that talk about, you know, worrying about last year, but there's no data out. I mean, somebody would have to uh, really give me some data to support why we should look into guys not throwing as many innings as they did in 19. I haven't seen anybody, any data. No one's presented me any data. Uh, it's almost like a little short rest. And like I've said to some of you before, they were throwing throughout the pandemic. So it wasn't like they, they took a year off. These guys, you know, uh, were pitching in the summertime, whether it was at their local facilities and throwing. I feel very confident in our guys going out there and, you know, getting to the mound fresh is what, you know, obviously what we want them to do. But that's every year, monitoring their workload, not only in the game, but in the bullpen. And especially with relievers, monitoring uh, their work in between and talking to them and seeing how fresh they are. And that's the number one goal is get these guys on the mound fresh. Makes sense to me. And he's right. No one is provided. And, I, and, and how would you? I mean, how could you I mean, how could you possibly have any data after, I mean, who's going to have data about a pandemic and how many innings got, no one's going to have that. I mean, there's, there's no historical reference. I mean, I, 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 what, what, I, I'm not the greatest data guy, but I'm just, I'm saying, I don't think there's a way you could have a bunch of data. All right, coming up next, we're going to have Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. We'll ask him about this virtual reality. Fascinating right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And we have Bob on the line. Bob, how are you? Yeah, doing great. How are you, Chris? We're, we're doing well. We're just so excited that baseball's back and fans in the stands. Are, 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 are you down in Arizona or are you in Florida? Yeah, I'm in Arizona. I've been here the uh, whole time and I'll, I'll stay here. You know, last year we did that interview at the ballpark, and you're like one of the only national guys to me that gets it. You understand how good the A's are. It's amazing to me how there's so many baseball writers out there. Are they, they still don't buy, buy into the A's. Like, what do the A's have to do to get the respect? They're like the Rodney Dangerfield of current baseball. <laughs> they are a slow standing team. You know, I think people, you know, naturally look at the free agent loss and say, you know, see Hendricks gone. They see Marcus Seaman gone. So they go off that. Yeah, it's, it's too bad that, uh, you know, Chapman got hurt there and they had all those injuries. They might have, uh, they might have done some serious damage last year, you know, in the yeah. postseason. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we're looking at a situation to where I think this core is really, really hungry. And, uh, I'm telling you about the players we've talked to that they, they, they're talking world series, and, and, you know, you can't win the World Series unless you believe you can win the World Series. And that's what I like about this group under Bob Melvin is they believe. Yeah, no, absolutely. That American League is wide open. You know, usually the American League is strong in National League. Uh, you know, not this time. There's no superpowers. So you get in. I mean, that you know, the Yankees have their flaws. You know, Toronto's up and coming. You know, Twins, uh, you know, 0-18 in playoff bursts. White Sox up and coming. And then uh, in the West, I think it's the right division to be in the American League because Houston's not as good. Angels are common, but they still have a lot of holes. So there's no reason in the world 
you know, why the A's can't, you know, win the division, you know, at least make the playoffs. You know, we played a clip at the start of the show from the game where the Astros were playing the Cardinals. And I, I, I bet it's mostly Florida people in the ballparks because of COVID. But if you've got people booing them already, once, yeah, because the first series of the year is Astros A's, I think the Astros are finally going to get it. And I don't know how well they're going to react to it. Yeah, I mean, now they might be more immune to it a little bit just because it's been, uh, you know, two years. I mean, you're right, Chris, they didn't have to go through it last year. Uh, you know, and some of these guys are gone. Uh, you know, you know, especially uh, uh, George Springer is gone, but you still have Bregman there, and the uh, you know Carlos Correa and and Altuve. You know, three uh, big guns. So you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they will hear it. <laughs> you know, in, in different places for sure. You did an article on you Darvish and how he's feeling great about his career uh, now with the San Diego Padres. What kind of chance do you give the Padres against the Dodgers this season in the West? Well, I, you know, I still think the Dodgers are the team to beat, you know, in all of baseball. But that being said, I mean, uh, you know, if the Dodgers are the best team, the Padres may be the second best team in baseball. You know, powerful team. And then the postseason, hey, anything can happen. Uh, and they have those, you know, great young pitchers to go with Darvish and Blake Snell. If Darvish and Blake Snell – you know, pitch like aces uh, like they have in the past, you'll take your chances with those young guys too, you know, you know the three, four starters. So uh, you know, they definitely have a chance. But, you know, on paper, so the Dodgers, Dodgers will lose. Yeah, I mean, Pop, when, when you just look at the way they're run, I mean, they're spending a ton of money, but the way they're run and the way they set themselves up, I mean, really the only guy in a long-term contract is Mookie Betts. So, they, 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 they can have payroll flexibility if they want it. Uh, they still got young guys in the minors that are coming that are supposedly going to be very good. Just talk about how well run the Dodgers are. No, they really are, Chris. I mean, when they hired Andrew Freeman uh, with the stroke of genius, and they had been in the playoffs, but just he carried them over the top. Uh, they do everything right. Analytic approach, smart scouting, you know, video. Uh, a deep, deep farm system, and they're not going away. I mean, yeah, they have a monster payroll this year, but they didn't have one. I mean, they were under the luxury tax the last few years, so it's not going to, uh, you know, cost them a big hit. I mean, when you get rid of pitchers, you know, like you did with uh, Ryu and Maeda last year, those guys finished, what, second, third in the Cy Young voting, you know, and they still won the World Series. So they developed these guys right. And I think with Bauer's case, Hey, you know, Kershaw's getting up in age. You know, Bueller, you know, took a little bit of a step backwards last year. You're still not quite sure of the young guys. Uh, but, but when you're so deep that a, uh, David Price, who's making, you know, that $30 million a year when he's volunteering to pitch in the bullpen, you know, you got something special. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I remember when we were talking about it earlier this offseason where it's like you forget David Price is coming back. And I think for a guy that's got a lot of tread on his tires – him taking a year off should be beneficial. I mean, but, but I can't imagine, like, we're going to see the Dodgers in the second series, and you're like, are, are you going to line up against Kershaw, Bauer, Walker Bueller? I mean, the the guys they're going to be throwing at you is no day at the beach. No, you know, and they kind of, you know, they kind of, uh, I don't want to say baby these guys, but 
really going to conservative approach. So it's probably best to get catch the Dodgers early because they may be limiting these guys to, uh, you know, 75 pitches, five innings, something like that. I think they really want to take care of these guys because they're already planning on playing deep in October. So they're not going to be going uh, – they're not going to be stretched out at the beginning. So, yeah, I think we have to face the Dodgers. Uh, you know, get, get them early rather than September. You know, I, I've been asking everybody this because I think it's really important and I want our fans to hear it. And, you know, I hope other people around the country are doing this. But to show the appreciation for the fans, because sometimes I think players have not appreciated the fans. But I think all the players now, after what they went through last year, really appreciate having the fans back in the ballpark and in the major announcement here in California that all of our teams are going to be allowed to have fans in the ballpark. What have you heard from players down in Arizona about the fans? Yeah, no, they've been thrilled. Even though you're only talking about, you know, 2,000, 21, 2,200 fans down here at the games, they're thrilled just to see the reception. I was watching the Reds game today. You know, they're excitingly, uh, excitingly throwing balls in the stands and everything else. You know, just like old times. Uh, I don't think they'll ever, you know, you know, you know, now they really appreciate the fans. I think they took them for granted before. I think those days are over. They'll never take the uh, fans for granted. It's just, you know, hey, the bottom line, they're showmen too. They, they like that uh, applause, the ovations. Uh, it, it gives them an adrenaline rush. So it's great. I think we'll have fans in every ballpark except for Toronto. You know, I think they're, they're uh, much more strict with the Canadian border. So, you know, the Blue Jays are probably going to have to spend the first half in Dunny in Florida so they can get back to uh, Toronto. But everywhere else, I think, is having fans. I'm not sure Seattle has announced theirs yet, but every, everybody else has. Yeah, that's going to be interesting how that works out for the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, you know, playing last year in Buffalo, we used to joke, Bob, that they were the best team in New York. <laughs> but uh, Right, right. Yeah, play, playing two straight years, not playing at home, there's got to be some negative effect to that. Yeah, you know, at least they have a, uh, a beautiful spring turning home now. You know, I haven't seen it yet, but the pictures, the renderings, what people say, you know, maybe the best in baseball. So at least they have a gorgeous facility down there. So yeah, it's tough. I mean, it might be even tougher to go, you know, halfway. Uh, but yet, hey, the uh, you know the hockey team you know had to had to uh, play in, in Florida. So did uh, basketball team. So you know, uh, I'm not sure if it's tougher to start there and then go back at the All Star break, or just you know better to just stay put the whole year. But yeah, it's a, it's just a shame. So let's end on this. What are some main storylines you're looking at for the 2021 season? Well, I think, you know, like we, uh, you know, discussed with the uh, pod race, just how they shift together, you know, can they, can they finally knock off the, uh, you know, Dodgers after all this? Be interested to see what happens. And, yeah, I think the most fascinating division easily is the National League East. I think you can flip a coin between Atlanta Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Mets. They're all going to be there. I think the Marlins drop off. Uh, you know, we'll see in Chicago, can the White Sox get young, exciting team? Yeah, particularly Tony La Russa. Uh, I think, you know, Tony La Russa may be the number one storyline. Just, a, you know, Hall of Fame manager, 76 years old, you know, managing a, a, a group of uh, young, excited players. So uh, I think that will be a huge storyline. And, uh, you know, that thing, too, is, uh, like you said, Chris, with the Astros, we'll see if people start saying, hey, you know what, 
uh, let me start booing these guys. I didn't get a chance to do it last year. <laughs> let me take my turn now. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I laughed when people were so worried about Tony Larusa, and I was like, I was like, Bob, he's he's managed some of the biggest egos the game's ever seen. Ricky Henderson, Seiko, right. Dave Parker, uh, uh, Dennis Eckersley. I mean, he's dealt with these rock star type play- Like they felt like he wouldn't be able to fit in. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, absolutely. You know, and then you got to talk about his age. Hey, he's 76. He's just running a ball club. I mean, the president of the country is 78. He's running a country. A little more responsibility than uh, running the White Sox. You know, and then, yeah, I jumped on him like he was a, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Kaepernick kneeled uh, during the national anthem, he jumped on that. So people jump on LaRusso for that. But as you know, hey, Bruce Maxwell was the only player in baseball that kneeled that time, too. I didn't see any other player coming to his defense. You know, everybody let him stand up by himself. But, you know, times, times have changed. And uh, Larusso is a smart guy. He changes with times as well. Bob, we always appreciate the time. Be safe down there in Arizona, and let's talk soon. All right, look forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Always great to have him on. I've been having him on for over, hell, well, 25, 26 years, something like that. How long have I been doing this? A lot longer than I have. No offense. It's just a, it's just a fact. Usually- and, and by the way, if you think about all the different guys who have changed jobs, Bob's always been consistent at the USA Today. Pretty amazing in our industry because I can tell you just about everybody in that, you know, the national writer deal. They've all changed. They either got fired or they got a different job or no, Bob's been one consistent guy. Or they just do TV now, i.e. Ken Rosenthal. Well, he just still writes, but, I mean, when you look, when you think of Ken, you think of TV, but you're right about Bob. He's been, since I broke into the industry seven, what was it, seven or eight years ago? I think it'd just be, this is year eight for me in, uh, you know, the sports talk, media, streaming, radio industry uh bob's been with the usa today since i did that in 2013 he's one of the guys who's been around and he's had a long career and and he's always gracious with his time he and he always likes talking with you so that makes it easier because he likes coming on so well and and one of the reasons why i love having him on is he follows the a's there's national guys that we bring on that you know they're not following the team on a consistent basis. They mispronounce people's names. Yesmero Petit is not Pettit. Unless we got Andy Pettit. Is he coming out of retirement, the big left-hander? <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you know real fast. At least I do. If you're listening, maybe you do too. But you, you realize real fast if someone knows the team or not. And that's why when these people go like, oh, they lost Marcus Simeon. Okay, that sucks. But everybody loses people. Trevor Rosenthal is coming in for Liam Hendricks. Trevor Rosenthal threw the ball phenomenal last year, and he's healthy. And he's got a little bit of a growing. Uh, I was going to say, do you want to – we haven't done this in a while, but is it time to hit the – No. <laughs> no, the, it happened earlier today. Bob said after the game that he's dealing with a slight groin – strain um the, he bob believes it's a it's minor but they'll be careful with him i got that from uh, our good friend martin gallegas who will be on with us later tonight at 6 30 but uh, yeah i don't I, i'm glad it's happening on march 8th and not uh 
July eighth when he has his groin injury. So it's good to it's good to see. And I don't know if you can actually see me right this second, but look what came in the mail yes the other day for me, and I got to get a picture and send it to Trevor. My ace headband came that we talked to him about. So oh, your good friend Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah. Well, we follow each other on Twitter. That's when you know we're friends if you follow each other on Twitter. Growing, not good. Hamstring. I blew out my hamstring. That just sounds awful. Oh, I, I, it, it was, it was on my honeymoon, water skiing, in the Bahamas. Bad idea. Really bad. You don't water ski in the ocean. It's just a bad idea. And I did it, and I blew up. I mean, it was black and blue. It was terrible. Oh, it was awful. So Bregman. That's the thing. It's like some of these injuries, you know, they always say, shoot them up. You can you, you can take the needle in the NFL. I've seen it. You can take the needle in the NFL, but you're playing one game. Can't do that in baseball. Some of these injuries that you get, you just you you have to just not do anything and heal. Time, time you will not beat time. You're just not gonna do it. And if you rush back, and that's where you get hurt again, you get hurt again, and next so you're dealing with, you know, like Josh Donaldson dealt with the ankle, and it just kept happening and happening. You got to, you got to just rest and take the time, so you can have a season. And that's far different than what we saw last year when you only had 60 games. So if you were hurt, I mean, it's almost like you didn't have a season. So a guy like Trevor Rosenthal, you just need to be like, big boy, just go over there, sit, and get 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 your rest, get your treatment. And he's a reliever. I mean, for God's sakes. Like he said, like Trevor Rosenthal said on this program, he was throwing the ball so well last year when he got traded from Kansas City to San Diego that he didn't want the season to end. I mean, I mean we have we have talked a lot about the guys who struggled in 2020. There hasn't really been a whole lot of talk about what about the guys that were balling? Like, if you had a great 2020, like, if you're Trevor Bauer, you wish you would have made 32, 33 starts. You're having a historic year. I mean, if you were throwing the ball well, you're crushing the baseball. Because something we're going to address with Sandy Alderson president of the Mets, who Cody has said he should be at some point. I don't know when we're going to do it again, but at some point when we're having a an induction class of the A's Hall of Fame, Sandy Alderson needs to be in that Hall of Fame. He needs to be in our Hall of Fame. I think there's no question about it. You could do a class of just front office people. Just, just throw Billy in now. Throw David in now. Throw Sandy in, just make it a make, make it an all executive <laughs> Hall of Fame class. Well, you can even do it. You could you know uh, go more layers into it. You could put uh, Vuce in now, and you could put Keith Lipman in now. Guys who went to the team for fifty plus years. Oh. So there's your class right there. Those three, Vuce and Keith Lipman. There's your there's your one of your Ace Hall of Fame Hall of Fame classes right there. And what Dave Cowell say? We're on it. Yeah, but Sandy should be in our Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. And Sandy, you know, that's a as Bob Nightingale just said, that's a tough division. We're covering the Mets today. I'm wearing my Mr. Met hat 
and I, and I told Sandy before we taped the interview, I said, Sandy, I'm wearing my Mr. Met hat in honor of you coming on today. He yeah, that was pretty fun. Well, we were we were bamboozled by the news that he was joining on phone because I was led I was led astray by the Mets that he was going to be coming on video. They asked for the link, and then you know we, it doesn't matter. We, I'm glad we got to talk to Sandy because the last time we saw him was the winter meetings in 2019. And then we talked to him a couple times last year. But the Mets are interesting, and we'll go over them. They're they got an interesting team. Their, their pitching staff kind of stunk last year behind Degrom, but they hit the ball really well. Uh, yes, yes, and you, you reminded me that's something we're going to talk about. The Mets, they hit 272 last year, which was the best batting average in Major League Baseball. So you don't think they wanted to have a full season to figure it out? Well, there's one guy on their team that didn't hit very well last year, and that'd be, uh, that'd be my guy. The Polar Bear, he hit 231. But, yeah, they, they hit well. I mean, Jeff McNeil, uh, Cano wasn't bad from last year. He's suspended for this year. Uh, they, 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 have a, they have a nice lineup around. Dom Smith was a great player last year for them. I like the Mets a lot in that division. Now it's it's tough because we're talking about the Mets, who's going to win that division on March eighth. But I really liked what they've been able to do, adding Tyone Walker and adding James McCann and trading for Lindor, getting Carrasco, uh, get, letting Jeff McNeil play his natural position of second base, so you don't have to worry about him playing third. I, I like them this year, and you know they're going to have some flexibility to add guys at the deadline or whatever they want to do. And that division stacked. I mean, everyone's riding off the Marlins, as ESPN put. They have a one percent chance to make the playoffs this year. I, I, I know you're very upset about that. By the way, has anybody screwed up a career like Robbie Cano? And I guess yeah, maybe like Daryl Strawberry, uh, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. <laughs> But 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 you know what though? Strawberry and Hamilton were 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 that's that's street drugs, right? I mean they, they obviously had a problem with addiction. Robbie Cano went from, oh this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean I'm looking at his baseball reference page. This guy's a Yankee, hitting 25, 29, 28, 33, 27. That's what his home run numbers are. He's a second baseman for the New York Yankees hitting bombs. He's driving in 100 runs. He's getting MVP votes. He's an all-star. This guy's on track to go to Cooperstown. And then all of a sudden goes, yeah, I'm leaving New York. And I'm going to go to Seattle where everybody knows tougher to hit. Now you don't have the short porch in right field. Seattle pays you a ton of money, but you disappear in Seattle. You're in the Pacific Northwest. You just disappear. And then you get popped, not once, but now twice for steroids. And now there's no chance that Cano will be a Hall of Famer. He's a second baseman that has 1,302 RBIs. He's got a lifetime 303 batting average. He's got a career 844 OPS, 126 OPS plus. You would think these are Hall of Fame numbers, Cody. 334 home runs for a second baseman? I was going to say, he if he didn't have this, suspend, this second suspension, uh, I thought he was a Hall of Famer already. Just because what he was able to do defensively and the way he was able to hit the 300 career batting average. 
It's in the yeah. He's in a sixty-nine point. We talk about seventy. You get to seventy, you're a Hall of Famer. No, it's it's even scale back more. We do even sixty anymore. Is the is the number you're looking at? And you know, you, everyone talks about how good. Jeff, I mean, Jeff Kent was a great hitting second baseman, but Jeff Kent wasn't uh, also a good guy either. Because you know that's what we care about with the Hall of Fame. Uh, Jeff Kent to me is a Hall of Famer, and whenever people like to, you know, we got to watch a lot of Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent did not hurt you defensively. Now he wasn't Roberto Alomar, but he didn't hurt you defensively. And Jeff Kent could Jeff Kent Jeff Kent could hit. I think he should. What what what's Jeff Kent's WAR? Looking at it right now, Kent has a career fifty five point four WAR. See, the thing to me, is there anybody who has a 70 war and not in the Hall of Fame? Mike Trout. (laughs) But uh, I'd have to go. I'd have to go and look to see who has a higher war that's not in. I mean, Larry Walker was close, but but he got in. He's going in this year, obviously, but he's a 70 war guy that got on his last ballot. So Cano's at 69.1. How many years is? Oh, God, he's got. He's got two years left on the deal after this, where he's going to make $24 million each year. Robbie Cano's rich, but, man, he's just – he messed up his career, and he's, and he's going to pay for it. But these numbers are just – I mean, they're incredible. They're incredible numbers. And – He's going to play these next two years. Well, unless they buy him. Wow, that's an expensive buyout. It's $48 million. <laughs> could, the Mets, could the Mets write a check say, here's $48 million. See you later. Because if they don't, I got to think he's going to get to 70. And I may, you may have to put him in anyway. I mean, if he's at a 70 war, well, a lot is going, a lot. How much time do we got? Uh, well, we don't want to interview until 5.30, so you can go for till whenever. Okay. A lot is going to be on four guys. There's four guys out there, and how they're dealt with, then the fringe guys, and I'm, I'll explain in a minute, but the fringe guys, their future is depicted on four guys. Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod, Big Poppy. Because if you're going to put Bonds and Clemens in, now you've opened up the floodgates, right? And I think there's some great players, but they're fringe guys. Like, no one really talks about Rafael Palmero. No one really talks about Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire. It's always about Bonds, Clemens, and then what's coming. What are you going to do with Big Poppy? and what are you going to do with A-Rod? And if anybody's buying the Big Poppy, oh, it was... The test, we're not sure about the test, if the test was accurate. Okay, really? The guy couldn't hit in Minnesota and then turned into a monster in Boston. Don't kid yourself. I try and tell everybody that. All my friends, things in life, if something's abnormal, question it. You can question a lot of things. How does Barry Bond's head get way bigger? Because he works out? No, your head doesn't get big. There's no weights for your skull. Your head gets bigger because of steroids. Lance Armstrong, remember that? Oh, Lance Armstrong, his heart. 
he pumps more blood. No, he's a blood doper. Whenever you see something that's abnormal, 73 home runs in a season. Winning all the Tour de France. When you see stuff that you've never seen before, you can question, like, how did this happen? But at some point, what are you going to do? If you let Big Poppy in, and now A-Rod's your face of media broadcasting baseball, you're going to keep him out? Well, if you put if you put A-Rod in, how are you not putting in Barry Bonds? How are you not putting in Roger Clemens? And even if you want to do the argument, oh, they were Hall of Famers before they took steroids, whatever. But at some point, it's going to be tough to have a guy who's got seven MVPs, a guy that's got seven Cy Youngs, A-Rod's what? Second or third in RBIs? He's got, what, three MVPs, I think? Two in Texas, one in uh, one in New York? You're going to keep these guys out? It's got to be hard. It's got to be really, really hard. Rafael Palmero has over 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. You're going to keep him out of the Hall And he was pretty good defensively. You're going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame? Is Sammy Sosa the only guy in the history of baseball to have three straight seasons of 60 home runs? I mean, think about that. How crazy that is. I got to look it up real quick. But by the way, you asked me about the 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 70 war question. I did find a guy, Bobby Gritch, the second baseman. Uh, I don't know if you remember him. Angel. The Angel, he had a 71.1 career war and he's out in the Hall of Fame. Now, his numbers are he had 224 career homers. He had a 266 batting average, 864 RBIs. He had over 1,000 runs scored, and he had a 125 OPS plus, but his OPS was 794, so I guess that's below league average, but his OPS plus with the adjusted factors. No, 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 794 is not. You've got to go way down 700. If you're around 800, you are a really good player. Well, I'm looking at Hall of Fame-wise. I think that that's low. But if low. you have a career – Around eight hundred, a little over eight hundred or under eight hundred. That's a damn good career. Yeah, I'm not, and, but the seventy point one WAR. I'm trying to think. It's probably because of his defensive prowess. It was what it had to be. Dude, this four, this five year stretch for Sammy Sosa. <laughs> no, wait a minute. This is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, this ten year stretch for Sammy Sosa. I mean more. Let's go this 12-year stretch for Sammy Sosa. Are you ready in home runs? Commander, are you ready for this? Oh, you're talking about one of my, my, you're one of my favorite players of all time growing up, so yes. 33, 25, 36, 40, 36, 66, 63, 50, 64, 49, 40, and 35. That's a 12-year span of greatness. In four years, he goes 66, 63, 50, 64. Is he on steroids? I He, I, he never tested positive, but yeah, okay, he's on steroids. You still got to hit the ball. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, this he had a year. Look at his RBI numbers, 158, 141, 138, 160. And you're going to tell me that guy's not going to be in the Hall of Fame? How many times in his career did Barry Bonds go over 50 home runs? 
Once. Once, the year he hit 73. Sammy Sosa. Because I know you what, he had like 49 one time or 40. Yeah, 49 was his high, then he hit to 73. Sosa did 50 or more four years in a row. <laughs> Three of them were 60. Yeah, I, I, and you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame? And he had a good arm in the outfield, too. It's not like he was a – I mean, I don't know. Defensively, I don't remember how good he was at the glove, but he had a good arm. And the other thing that doesn't get addressed – only with Clemens. But what people don't address is, yeah, they may have been on roids. The pitchers were on stuff, too. How even of a playing field was it? When Jose Canseco comes out and says over 70%, and no one wants to listen to Jose, but Jose knew, and Jose knows. I mean, he's the guru of roids. I mean, if everybody's doing it, isn't it a level level playing field? People don't like to talk about it. People don't like to discuss it. People, in, in, you know, the old schoolers are. But the reality is you don't know who was doing it. But there's a lot of people that would tell you in the know, wink, wink, a lot of guys were on it. So if Bonds is hitting a home run off Eric Gagne, that's a level playing field. Once again, allegedly for all these guys that didn't test positive for it. But come on. We don't know which guy. And, and you know who taught us that? Bartolo Cologne. Bartolo Cologne is a bad body guy. And the fact that he got popped for it tells you everything you know. You don't have to be, you don't have to look like a linebacker. You don't have to look like a defensive end to be on it. The other guy who got popped, San Francisco, uh, Melky Cabrera. He's not the best body guy in the world. Milkman. Those guys, those guys were popped back to back. Like if you would have lined up everybody on the A's and everybody on the Giants and said, take your shirts off and say, okay, this is the Giants roster. This is the A's roster. Two of these guys have tested positive for PEDs. Pick one on each roster. Do you think people pick Bartolo Colon and Melky Cabrera? Not a chance. Melky, maybe. Uh, Bar- Bartolo, absolutely not. <laughs> there's no way. There's far better guys in shape than Melky. I'm not saying he's in horrible shape, but I mean, if I remember back, he did have a little bit of a belly. I'm not hating on him. I've got a little bit of a belly myself, but. He didn't look like an Adonis. Like, he's not the guy I'm picking. And that just, that went, that that showed you. If Bartolo Colon has a gut like that and he's testing positive for PEDs, nah, you know, that, that it could be anybody. And now we're picking and choosing like, well, I guess we'll go Bagwell, put him in. Uh, okay, Piazza. Well, you know, we're picking and choosing who we want to put in. You know, we're not going to put Piazza in, but we're not putting Bonds and Clements. See what happens when you get me on the Hall of Fame thing? I can't. It's uh, Going back to Melky for a second. Now, in 2011, playing for the Royals, he had 18 homers and 87 RBIs, and he stole 20 bases, so he was almost a 2020 guy. And he had 305. Then that year at the Giants, where he played in 113 games, he hit 346 in 113 games, 11 homers, 60 RBIs. Yeah, something was a little afoot there or aloof, whatever you want to say. 
uh, with what he what was going on. And then he never did anything before or after that, really, except for that year prior. And 151 games for the White Sox when he was 31. A few years later, he hit 296. You know, he played for the Pirates in 2019. He hit 280 for them in the, in the games he played. He's always been a good contact hitter, but he doesn't have power. And then that year where he had, you know, he was on pace at, you know, what, 113 games. He's probably on pace to come close to 100 RBIs that year for the Giants. He He's had a couple 80 RBI years. He's had three of them in his career. But, yeah, I would – if you're ta- asking me about Bartolo and, and Melky Cabrera, uh, especially on that Giants team, I'm sure there have been a few other guys I would have picked way ahead of Melky Cabrera. I, one of the greatest examples of this is you go back to the mid-'90s. I don't remember – 95 or 96 or whatever it was, Brady Anderson knocked 50 out of the ballpark. That's 96. Is it 96? 1996. As a leadoff hitter. Out of nowhere. Guy had, I don't even know if he'd ever had 20 home runs. And all of a sudden hit 50. And everybody's like, oh, Brady Anderson, he's in shape. And he was in his, he was like 32, 33, something like that. That a whole Orioles team that year, I believe, before the Twins did it a couple of years ago, they were the team that had the record for most guys with 20 or more home runs in a season. And then the Twins obviously shattered it because they had 307. But that, that Orioles team, it was what, him and Cal and what was was B.J. Serhoff on that team? I'd have to look up the 96. Let me, Brady Anderson um, in 96 hit 50 home runs and drove in 110. His career high before or after that, 24 when he was 35 years old in 1999. So he's 32 years old. And all of a sudden now he hits 50 home runs and you don't, you don't, you don't go, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of odd. By the way, I just checked my, as you were talking, I just checked my, uh, my, my Twitter feed. Somebody just asked me, are you on the radio calling athletics games? Question mark. No more 95, (laughs) seven, bro. Mitchell, where have you been? We haven't been on 95.7 for, what is this, our third year? This is our third year, yeah. Mitchell, you got to get in the game, bro. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> uh, while, you're, while you're looking that up, I looked up that. that here's the, here's the uh, 20 home run hitters on that 96 Orioles team. Brady Anderson with 50. Rafi Palmero with 39. He also drove at 142 that year, led the team. Bobby Bonilla, uh, 28 homers, 116 RBIs. Cal Ripken, 26 homers, 102 RBIs. Chris Hoyles, 25 homers. Roberto Alomar, 22. And then B.J. Serhoff hit 21. Then at the age of 40, Eddie Murray had forty uh, had 10 home runs that year too. So, But, yeah, then the Twins Jesus, obviously. That's a hell of a lineup. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good team. They won 88 games that year too. Yeah, you remember when the Orioles used to try and win? Remember there was that thing called the Oriole way <laughs> and the, and the Orioles used to battle the Yankees. Remember that Jeffrey Mayer? I mean, my God, that lineup. That's that, that's Cal Roberto Alomar, Eddie Murray, all hall of famers. Now Eddie eat, drink and be Murray was old at that point, but he was still <laughs> a great player. Bobby Bo was a, Terrific player, all-star, perennial all-star. Who else? You got Rafael Palmero, who should be a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's like four Hall of Famers in your lineup. Uh, and then uh, don't forget, one of their pitchers was Hall of Famer Mike Messina. David Wells was a was a David Wells was an Oriole. 
Well, that, that's the Boomer was an the, Oriole. I don't remember ever seeing Boomer pitch for the Orioles ever. That, that's the fun thing about baseball when you go through people's baseball reference pages, where you go, "He played there, really?" Especially like guys, yesteryear guys. When we were we, either you weren't born, I wasn't born, or I was a little kid. You forget like some guy. You're like that guy was a Dodger, or that guy was an. A-. I mean, look at all the look at all the random guys that have been A's. Like, who thinks of Mike Piazza as a great Oakland A? I mean, there, there's certain guys. Willie McCovey. I mean, there's certain, you're like, you don't think of that. Joe Morgan, like, last year of his career. Like, you don't think of these guys as Oakland A's. When I think of the Oakland A's, I think of Nomar Garcia-Para. Exactly. That's, that's who I, that's who I think of. Uh, by the way, that Twins team, I said, how they broke the record. They had, they had uh, five guys hit over 30 home runs for them. In 2019, they had eight guys hit 20 or more for them. That's just that's. I mean, when you hit 307, I mean, it makes sense. Okay, so we're still de- we're we're still dealing with juice either way. You're either the players are juiced, or now when you talk about like that team, the ball's juiced. There's there's something juiced when you look at these teams. It may be the players, it may be the balls, it may be both. Who knows? Yeah, that, it's abnormal to hit that many home runs. The Orioles that year lost uh, the '96 Orioles. Going back to them for a second, they lost in the uh, in the ALCS to the Yankees that year. And what the Yankees would have lost '96 would have been the Yankees won the World Series that year because it went it went. That's uh, the Jeffrey Mayer. That's yeah. the Jeffrey Mayer. It went, it went Braves, Yankees, Marlins, and then Yankees, Yankees, Yankees. Don't get me started. I can name off a lot of the. World Series champions going all the way back to the set. Alex Jensen and I did it once on this show when you were out. I went back and named like every World Series champion from from like nineteen seventy on. There's some well, people that can the, do that. You know, you know the A's are 72, 73, yeah. 74, Reds 75, 76, Yankees 77. They win in 78 too. They might have went back to back. 79 was the Pirates, obviously. 79's the Pirates. 80 is the Phillies. 81's the Dodgers, right? Yeah, they finally got over that. That 81 is the 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 split the split season where they played like two halves, right? Like where yeah, two strike. of the Dodgers World Series have come in shortened seasons. I'm not taking anything away. I I, I still believe that this this last World Series champion will go down for me at least. And whenever I bring this up. And I brought this up with someone with the Dodgers recently. Who was it? Who did we have on that was connected to the Dodgers? And they said, I'm glad you said that. Uh, probably Joe Davis, their TV play-by-play voice. That's who we yeah, talked to most it, recently. Yeah, it's like, if you understand what these players went through, all the players. I mean, the A's, who got royally you-know-what for their playoffs from the standpoint of always having to play at 1 o'clock, I mean, you essentially had players showing up to the ballpark at like 6 a.m. because they had to be tested. This 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 this, this last season and going into this season, it's there's going to be a lot of the same. It's going to be hard. I mean, I don't want to say I feel bad for the Rays, but you can't tell me the Rays having to play in San Diego with no fans and then going to play the Dodgers in the World Series where the Dodgers have been living there, same hotel, same clubhouse, 
playing in front of fans. They never left Arlington. And now you got to go to Arlington. Isn't it, 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 is it an excuse? A little bit. But you can't tell me there wasn't an advantage. There, there wasn't a, a competitive advantage for the Dodgers over the Rays in that World Series just because of the circumstances. But the Dodgers winning it, I mean, that wasn't easy. And everybody we've talked to, like, like how about Liam Hendricks? Right after the season, we talked to Liam. And Liam, is, Liam was, like, shocked how Florida was, like how open Florida was. Because these guys have been living in a bubble. Like, they were in a bubble. And then all of a sudden, you leave that bubble. But that bubble just tells you, Cody, how tough it was to win games last year. And and how about to a man? Everybody's saying 60 was enough. Like, we as fans are like, ah, it's only 60. No. The players and everybody around went, you know what? 60 was enough. It was so hard to do everything that we had to do just to play that 60 was the right number. And the seven-inning doubleheaders was smart, and it saved the season. And my God, Justin Turner tested positive. If the Dodgers don't win in six, how does the World Series go? Who knows? Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, said something earlier today. Well, I don't know when he said it. You played it earlier today, Cody. When did Scott say it? Was it today or yesterday? It was during his media session sometime last week. So it was last week when Emo talked to the media. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday is when he addressed the media. Oh, yeah. Uh, And I think he's dead right. Let's talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Well, coming up here, <laughs> i got to address a new contract in football. Wow. Uh, unbelievable. Sandy Alderson will join us coming up here at 530, president of the New York Mets, as we'll be looking at the Mets and see how Sandy's doing. Dak Prescott, four years, $160 million, Cody? I was literally going to come back to front break and ask you a question. Who would you rather pay $40 million a year to? Dak Prescott, who's won one career playoff game, or Mike Trout, the greatest player in the sport who's never won a playoff game as well so it makes you think okay and Trevor Bauer got 40 million this year Dak Prescott's getting 40 million dollars a year to play for quote-unquote America's team who doesn't win ever so I don't know how you're America's team uh I don't under I mean Dak's a good quarterback but 40 million dollars where Tom Brady takes a pay cut every year so the team the team he plays for can sign other players it's just it's it's just crazy how much guys in the NFL and NBA are getting paid now uh, with salary cap stuff. So, uh, you, you got done in by an ESPN article, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> the most touchdowns this guy has ever thrown in a season is 30. And you're paying him what? And he's coming off a, hor- a, a horrific injury? Yeah, that was a bad injury. I'll just say this about Jerry Jones. And we'll get back to baseball. But 
to me, he is so knee-deep into the business of the NFL that I don't know how other owners don't call him out. Because he's he knows the contract situation with, with TV. He knows when the salary cap's going up. He knows all this information. And that's why he's able to manipulate his salary cap. Because he's, he's on the inside. If there's a deal being done, Jerry Jones is a part of it. The reason why the Rams are in Los Angeles is because of Jerry Jones. The reason why the Raiders are in Las Vegas is because of Jerry Jones. He's literally the most powerful man in the NFL. So he knows the TV money, when it's going up, the salary cap. So he can do deals based off the knowledge of what he has that other teams don't. It's just my two cents. What a playoff game, Dak. You know, better yet. You know, it's not even on Dak. What a playoff game, Jerry Jones. Yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl since I was in college. Uh, yeah, they would have beat they would have beat my hometown Steelers in that Super Bowl. And you 49er people, you haven't won a Super Bowl since I was in college either. The year before my Steelers lost my hometown Steelers lost to the Cowboys. It's been a long time. Well, it, again, it, it goes back to the whole thing we're talking about the Dodgers and you're talking about the 60 game season. The first thing I always think of and it's no it's no offense, but a lot of my friends here are Giants fans. My closest friends I've known forever, the Giants fans, and they all go the Dodgers won the World Series. It doesn't count. Only 60-game season. Doing a, a real season, bro. I'm like, they won the division eight years in a row. The Giants couldn't even make the playoffs here after they won the World Series. They won the, they won the division eight years in a row. I think they're going to be fine. It's your rival. I mean, let's face it. I now hate the Houston Astros so much. No matter what they do, I'm going to hate them. Right? I mean, so I understand. The Giant giant fans are going to pop off. Whatever. Let, let me just offer this to your Giant, because I have a lot of friends who are Giants fans, too. Let me just offer this. 2014 is starting to seem like a long time. It's 2021. And you're about to see nobody on the roster who is a part of any championships. So enjoy this season because the odds that Belt, Crawford, Posey, Jim Bowden in his article today on The Athletic about guys to make comeback years, and he put Buster Posey on there. It's like, you are set. He's a giant honk. It's because he's buddies with Bochi, and I, I mean, come on. I mean, but, he did have Jed there in his defense. He had Jed Lowry. I mean, let's, it's going to be Trey Mancini. I mean, he's going to be if he has a good year, he's going to be the guy that wins the award. But oh, have, no doubt, comeback player of the year. Yeah, but, but to have Buster in there, come on. He had Madison Bumgarner on there. What's he coming back from? A bad year where he couldn't get anybody out. Yeah, where he got paid a lot of money to to pitch up for a different team. What's he coming back from? Like, Mancini coming back from what he went through, that's a comeback. Not – I had a really high ERA last year. The difference between Jed and Buster Posey is Jed didn't play because of injury. Buster Posey didn't play. Obviously, COVID and they, they, they adopted kids and, you know, no one questioned it. I mean, obviously, at that point when he was adopting – did he adopt twins? I think he did. 
Yeah, it was twins. I think it was twin girls, actually. At that point, we still, I mean, we still don't even know everything about COVID. But I, I, we said on this program, Buster, we got your back. Take the year off. Adopting those kids, far more important. But before that, Buster Posey wasn't good. It wasn't because of injury. It's because he wasn't good. That's I mean, When Jed's healthy, he's good. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been following Giant Spring training. I don't know how much Buster's been playing, nor do I really care. But... Well, it's very telling. My buddy, my buddy sent me a mock draft yesterday. It's what he does. And he's a Giants fan, but he sent me a mock draft yesterday for baseball. And I look at him like, oh, who the Giants? I look at him like, who the A's taking? Well, another shortstop. I feel like that's who they always projected to take in, the, in mock drafts. I look at the Giants. Another catcher is who they're supposed to take in the draft. And I'm like, who did this draft? There's no way they're taking another catcher in the first round. You don't take, three, you don't take a catcher three of the last four years in the first round. No, that's just dumb. Now the A's taking a shortstop? I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, you, you draft shortstops because they're the best athletes and they can play anywhere. Yeah, the versatility angle. You, you don't draft a catcher because you think, hey, maybe down the road he'll be a first baseman for us. No, you yeah. draft the first baseman. T- take, the, take the two top third basemen in baseball defensively. Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado. They grew up as shortstops. Chad Pender, who now plays all over the diamond, was a shortstop. It's like Bill Parcells always talked about drafting tight ends because tight ends can end up being beef them up, make them a lineman. You can put them on the defensive side of the ball because they they have size, they have athleticism. So he said you take a tight end and then you figure out what you're going to do with him. And he may stay at tight end or he might be a linebacker. or you know, There's certain attributes you want to draft, and that's why shortstops – Shortstops can flip over, be second baseman. Jed Lowry. Jed, you know the guy who was supposed to be a shortstop and 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 kind of refused? I don't remember exactly how it went down, but Roberto Alomar, the Padres wanted him to be a shortstop. They didn't want him to be a second baseman, and he wanted to play second base, and he got shipped to Toronto. He, Joe Carter, for Tony Fernandez, and the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Another guy. Should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Brian Kenny thinks he should be in the Hall of Fame, too. BK is a big Fred McGriff guy. Is he really? Yeah. We'll have to ask about that next time we have him on. We're going to be – the A's are going to be featured on the uh, 30 Clubs in 30 Days on MLB Network. I think it's next weekend. So we'll have to – I'll reach out and see – if we can get BK, BK is always the go-to on MLB Network because it seems like uh, no one else is ever really around. So I'm always like, yeah, BK will do. Or Mad Dog. Chris, or, you know, we can get the Mad Dog on again soon too. Love the Mad Dog. Sure, he's probably it's radio greatness. I'm sure he's probably real high on whatever's going on in the East Coast. So, well, that's it. You know, covering the game is it's been odd. You're going to hear Sandy coming up here. Sandy hasn't been back to New York. Sandy's barely met Steve Cohen. He's met him one time, the owner. I mean, if you're like me, you got buddies who changed jobs during the pandemic and they've never met people they work with. How crazy is that? 
if I don't get if I don't get on my bike or if I don't get in my car and go to Cody's apartment, I would never see Cody. I've talked about it, you know, Dick Callahan's celebration after Dick passed, like going to there and seeing A's employees who we haven't seen in over a year. But you look around baseball. I mean, think about what Sean Mania said earlier. Like, you're looking around, the minor leaguers aren't, 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 they're not there. You know, normally there's just, how many guys at spring training? There's just, there's people everywhere. People on fields, there's coaches everywhere. Like, 2021 is still similar to 2020. Even though we all wanted to say goodbye on New Year's Eve, it's still different. But thank God we're powering through. And thank God we're going to have you, the fans. One of the fascinating things about Sandy Alderson is that he has signed, traded some of the biggest names in the history of the game. Ricky Henderson, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley, Francisco Lindor now. I mean, you think about the names he's moved. And acquired, signing Dave Stewart. I mean, it's, it, his track record's pretty amazing. He's had an unbelievable baseball life. Once told us at the winter meetings that he used the 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 magazine Baseball America to make a trade because they didn't have data on the minor leaguers like they do now. That still floors me. Go get the magazine Baseball America. I got to figure out what prospects we want. <laughs> Can you imagine, you imagine talking to an executive today and goes, yeah, I just go on to MLB.com. I go on that team's website and I look at their top 30 prospects, which, by the way, was just updated for the A's. But, they, yeah, I'm going to look at the top 30. That, you know, we're, you know, well, let's take that guy because MLB.com has him rated as the fourth prospect. That'd be crazy. But yeah. he did. And you remember also, Sandy, remember when uh, when uh, R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young and they're like, oh, R.A. Dickey, he won the Cy Young. He's a Met, he's a Met legend. And they trades him to Toronto. Yeah, he got back to Noah Syndergaard in that trade. So Sandy knows what he's doing. And he developed Jacob deGrom, who was a former shortstop, to being one of the best pitchers in baseball, maybe the best pitcher in the National League. Sorry, Trevor Bauer, I know you won the Cy Young, but still deGrom. But he's not, you're right. The moves he's made in his career, trading for or, you know, or trading away, I mean, it's unparalleled essentially anymore because you don't really see it a lot where guys trade superstars and then they trade for superstars. The legend, Sandy Alderson, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Sean Mania. Sean has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Well, somebody's going to be right, Cody. Because you heard Mike Fires there talk about the layoff he thinks it's good mark gubazaw thinks that not pitching a ton is not good for the pitchers scott emerson is saying there's no data to back anything up we just don't know what we do know is that there were quite a few people who struggled last year and if you got into a rut you didn't have time to get out 
I, you know what I'm going to bank on? I'm going to bank on the rest and not as, not that many innings. I, I would bet that it's going to help the pitchers. I, I, I don't think, I tend I don't to think agree. it's going to be negative. Yeah, I tend to agree, but I also kind of – I mean, I, I completely understand where Emo is coming from because, well, you're right, there, there, there is no data out there because – we never seen anything like this since uh, about a hundred years ago, and it happened in 1918 with the the last uh, pandemic. So, but we weren't we weren't tracking uh, ERA plus back in 1918. So, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the pitchers do. But I I think the rest is like Mike Fire said, the rest is going to you know the short season is going to help some guys, especially guys you know older guys might help them, and then the younger guys are going to have to build up their arms again, like like AJ Pock and Jesus Lazardo. But it's the first month and a half to two months is going to be very telling uh, this season, how the season is going to go for a lot of teams. Well, the New York Mets last year, they weren't very good. They were 26 and 34. And Sandy is back running the New York Mets as the president. Here is my conversation with the legend, Sandy Alderson. Sandy, it's been a while. How have you been? How's New York treating you again? Well, I haven't been to New York since I took the job. I've been in Florida the entire time. So um, we'll see how New York treats me once the season starts. It's always uh, a honeymoon period, you know, uh, in New York. And then uh, reality sinks in. So uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's been fun so far. And, um, you know, the team's improved a little bit. So we're, uh, we're excited about starting the season. Well, obviously, you you made a huge trade, and we've been talking about it here on A's Cast Live about how you literally have traded some of the biggest names in the history of the game. You bring in Lindor. I mean, you've traded traded for Ricky Henderson. You've traded Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire. I mean, when you think back in your career, uh, the moves you've made and, and, and some of the biggest names the sport's ever had. Well, we were fortunate, uh, you know, we, we got some of those players in their prime and uh, moved them along later. But, um, uh, you know, I went to a reunion once with my college classmates and they asked what your hobbies are. And I said, at the time, this was like 25 years ago, uh, my hobby was trading Ricky Henderson. We had done it so long. You know, we trade, traded him, traded for him, traded him away. Anyway, um, yeah, we've moved a lot of, a lot of, especially during those A's days, we moved uh, a lot of, uh, we brought in a number of good players. I mean, we traded for Dennis Eckersley. We signed Dave Stewart, um, you know, outside the organization. But then we, you know, we ended up trading some of those guys as well uh, down the line. But uh, they had great careers in Oakland. I think that the fan base just has to be thrilled and your new owner has to be thrilled that you're bringing in uh, Francisco Lindor, who truly is one of the best players. And I just got just how excited is everybody there with the Mets? Oh, that definitely Lindor has uh, raised the level of, of interest and excitement. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, but I think, you know, we've had, I don't know, roughly a 50% turnover in our 40-man roster so there are lots of new faces um you know we didn't sign any of the big free agents that was that that was forecast for us but um we approached it a little differently and so there's i think a general excitement that that a lindor brings uh to the table but 
also, I think just a general uh, heightened interest in the team based on all of the change and the greater depth that we have. So we'll see how it turns out. But, you know, right now we're, we're happy with what we have. Through your long, great career, you've worked for a lot of different owners. Now you have a new one in Steve Cohen, and obviously we know he's he, he's got a lot of money and he's got a lot of passion, and he's a true Mets fan. How has that been so far for you? It's actually been great. I mean, it's look, the guy uh, obviously has a lot of money, but he's a fairly, uh, I would say, down-to-earth guy. He has a sense of humor. Uh, he doesn't pretend to know a lot about the game yet, um, and he's been very supportive uh, and allowed uh, on the baseball side for us to, uh, for the baseball people to do the work and make the decisions. So, you know, so far it's been great. Um, until I don't know three weeks ago, I'd only I only had met him twice. Um, so most of our relationship over the last well last four months but or whatever it's been four months but uh even before that when i was you know having conversations with them even before they bought the team i only met him once so um fortunately uh you know i think it's turned out to be a pretty good match at least from my standpoint i've got no complaints whatsoever it's been great and, and, and as you're talking, I'm just thinking, I, I've got a couple buddies who during this pandemic, ha, they, they've switched jobs and they've, they've never met yeah. anybody that they work with. I mean, I mean, we're, we're in a, people yeah, right. yeah, right. We're in a people business, Sandy. I mean, you're used to being around so many different people communicating. And like you said, you haven't even been to New York. Just, it's just, it's, it's so strange, but we've had to survive and this is what we have to do. Yeah, it, it it has been strange, and it is a people business, and uh, relationships are important. And uh, you know, of course, now a lot of stuff is being done by Zoom and telephone and what have you. Um, even in person, you know, like walking around the complex uh, with everybody working, lots of people, the players, the support staff, everybody's got a mask on, and so it's hard even to recognize people. Um, and, and it's difficult to, you know, form a sort of a, you know, a working relationship with people that you, you hardly can recognize. So, um, even that's been, you know, a little bit of a complication, but everybody's working through it. In some ways, the zoom calls are, are, are good. They just get tiresome because there's so many of them, but, uh, I'd say there's, there's a lot more communication within the organization of the Mets now than there was three or four years ago when I was there, just because Zoom is so much more convenient. You know, the Zoom is kind of the equivalent of no commute. You don't have to get up from your office, go to another office, coordinate everybody. Um, the Zoom has made it much easier to communicate, I think. And I think Zoom calls will survive the pandemic in ways that, um, um, we probably didn't expect, but it's, it's a, it's a new way of communication. And I don't think it's going away. You know, when I think about your starting staff and you got Carrasco over also from the Indians and Stroman staying there and DeGrom has been one of the elite pitchers in the game. And hopefully Noah Syndergaard will be back from Tommy John surgery. Just how, how happy are you going into 2021 with your starting staff? 
Well, on paper, we're happy. You know, we're we've we've got we've got people that I think are strong at each of their uh, positions. So, you know, our number one starter, hard to argue with uh, Jacob Degrom. Uh, two, three, and four. I think you know we're above average in each each of those slots. But you never know. We'll see what happens when the season starts. But right now, on paper. You know, we're happy with what we have. Uh, it'd be nice to get Syndergaard back, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll throw somebody decent out there every day. You know, when I, I think about the offensive struggles of so many people last year in that quick 60-game season, that wasn't necessarily the case for the Mets. As you guys hit 272, uh, it was the best batting average in Major League Baseball good or bad, what, what, what do you think players can really take from 2020 and just a 60 game season? That's a good question. I don't think you can take as, as much as you would, one would take for 162 games. Clearly. I mean, in 60 games, um, you're talking about in a regular season, getting through April, May, and part of June. Um, there's a whole, set of additional, you know, games and months that you have to go through in a regular season. So I think you got to be careful about, you know, what happened over 60 games. Uh, Some guys, you know, go through streaks for, you know, a couple of months where they're really good. And then, uh, you know, the bottom falls out. So um, I think it's very difficult to uh, certainly, you know, project, extrapolate from what happened in, in, uh, in 2020 this was an odd season not only was it shortened but also nobody in the stands um uh you know all the covid uh, precautions it was very unusual existence i think for for most players and staff and so i I think it's hard to take much from 2020 uh except for you know health um guys were healthy coming out of 2020 Coming in in 2021, that's always a good sign. You know, I, I've been from our camp. I, I, I can tell there's a lot of appreciation for having the fans back. And maybe we took that for granted yeah. and for sure players take it for granted. What's it like in Mets camp? I think the uh, the response has been the same. I think the players are happy to have fans back. Uh, you know, in our ballpark, here in uh, Port St. Lucie, we can only have about 1,400 uh, at 20% capacity. Um, and, you know, with all of the no-shows and comps that don't get have to be reserved, we got probably 1,100 people in the, in the ballpark uh, yesterday. Um, but, it was, you know, it was, it was great to have people in the park. And, uh, you know, as we get further into the season, I'm hoping that those those percentages will go up and we won't be at 20 percent um you know for all that long but we'll we'll have to see it's good to have people in the park yeah there's no doubt about it and i'm actually going to ask this same question to david force later this week is now once we get back into the business of baseball and at some point trades are going to be made but there's minor league players sandy that they haven't played in well over a year and you can say yeah. some guys were in the alternate site, but a lot of guys weren't. So when you go to evaluate and make trades, like how do you think it's going to go down when you don't know what these kids have been doing for almost a year and a half? 
Well, you know, the minor league season isn't going to even start until the 1st of May. So I'd, I'd be surprised that if there are many trades involving prospects, um, you know, before, say, the 1st of May. On the other hand, you know, if, if deals are made and deals are being made now and have been made over the course of the spring, mostly predicated on what happened in 2019. Um, and then, you know, updating for age and those sorts of things. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's very definitely uh, more limited information. Sometimes limited information provides an opportunity. If you, be, you believe in what you have, even if it's limited, and somebody else doesn't, you know, that may, may give you an advantage. It's just, you know, little information is better than none, but it's really the quality of the information more than the quantity. And, um, you know, some clubs will have confidence in what they have and others won't. So I think trades have, have been made in spring training in the off season involving minor league players. I think it, you know, will probably continue, but probably not to a great extent from the end of spring training or even now till the first of May. There aren't that many deals made in the spring anyway. Um, you know, trades. Uh, I, I think that generally speaking, there, there just aren't that many. Um, but we'll see. Let, let's end on this. You came back to the organization, and obviously your your great relationship with Billy Bean, David Forrest, uh, Bob Melvin, you know, two straight years winning 97 games. Uh, last year, winning the division in the shortened season. You got to know the players. You got to know the core. How do you like the A's chances in 2021? Well, the A's, uh, you know, look, let's face it, they lost. Simeon, they lost a number of guys out of the bullpen, but, um, you know, the A's always find a way to get it done. And um, so I wouldn't bet against their bullpen. I wouldn't get, bet against, uh, um, you know, the, the, the deals that they've made. They always figure out a way to be competitive. And um, I'm sure they will be again this year. They got a lot of young pitching and if it matures, um, they could be really good. You know, last year, in spite of the fact that a lot of the young pitching just didn't really perform that well, they still won the division. So, um, anyway, I, I've got a lot of respect for what they do, and more so after having been back there for a year plus and uh, watching how, you know, the front office, Bob Melvin, and the, and the, uh, and the chemistry of the team, which, you know, for the last couple of years has been really good. So, um, and, and I think is typically good in Oakland. So um, anyway, I'm, I'm sure they're excited and confident. Uh, and um, as I said, they always figure out a way to get, some, get it done. It's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Be well, be safe down there in Florida, and let's talk during the season. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank Thanks for you. having me. Bye-bye. Sandy Alderson. I was asked a very interesting question by the commander after we taped that interview. And the question was, who should go in the baseball hall of fame first? 
Sandy Alderson or Billy Bean? Ooh, the drama. <laughs> I know. I bet you people are on the edge of their seats waiting to see who who you say is going to go in first. <laughs> oh man. I mean, Sandy has won a World Series. He's won three American League pennants. As we said, he's you know traded, signed, acquired some of the greatest players who have ever played. We'll see what he does in New York. He's 73 years old. He still wants to work. And then you throw in the bean factor that bean, you know, helped change baseball. I mean, for God's sakes, Brad Pitt, Pitt plays you in a movie. I mean, that's all you need to know. Best-selling book. Changed the game. And look at the success he's had. Look at all the, all of it, you know. I know there's the people out there, they haven't won in the playoffs, but they've been to the playoffs a ton. That's kind of a tough call. Now, obviously, we, we, we don't. Who do you get voted on? Who What's the committee that votes for non-players? you know players? Uh, let, let me look that up, actually. I can't remember what the name of it is. But I could see both of them being in the Hall of Fame. I could see Brian Sabian getting into the Hall of Fame. Now, there's certain executives I could see getting into the Hall of Fame. And executives should be in the Hall of Fame. These are the architects of the sport. They build the roster. They handle, I mean, Theo Epstein. He got rid of two curses. Curse of the Bambino and the Curse of the Goat. You don't think Theo Epstein has had a Hall of Fame-like career as an executive? It looks like it's today's game is the committee, according to the Hall of Fame website. Rules for election for managers, umpires, and executives and players for today's game candidates to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So that's the newest era of who they who they vote for. And, uh, don't sell Sandy short, by the way. I'm pretty sure he won a National League pennant with the uh, the Mets as well. Remember, they went to the World Series and lost to the Royals. So he won a National League pennant and three AL pennants. So what he's been able to do, I think they're going to go in. Theo's absolutely going to go in for what he was able to do. And he, I still think he's going to end up taking over somewhere else again in baseball too, eventually at some point. There's a lot of – those are the guys you think – when I think of, like, the executives in baseball, it's those those guys right there. Yeah, Sandy, Bean – oh, and Cashman. Brian Cashman. Yeah, this is longevity, Cashman being there and what he was able to do. And then Brian Sabian is another one, what, you know, he was able to do with those Giants teams. Yeah, Sabian, Sabian, no doubt. Cashman, Bean, Alderson, Theo. I ain't no question. They should be in. They're, they're, they're a part – of this whole era of baseball. I mean, Brian Cashman, the, the the amount of wins he has since he took over in 1998, the World Series, the playoffs, surviving George Steinbrenner, <laughs> rebuilding <laughs> the Yankees. You know, I mean, think about it. It's not the Yankees spending the most money anymore. That's the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, the world has dramatically changed. Uh, I just thought of a guy, too. What about Dave Dombrowski? Yeah, uh, Marlins, Red Sox. Uh, he was also a part of some great teams with the Expos. And Detroit. He got, he got to World Series with Detroit, obviously playing against the A's. 
Yeah, that'd be another one. You look, you look at his baseball life, it's pretty incredible. And he's got two World Series championships. He got Detroit to two World Series? Yeah, 06 and 2012. Or, yeah, because yeah, they lost to the Giants and they lost to the Cardinals. Yeah, the Hall of Fame just shouldn't be about players. It's got to be the other people that work in the game, too. And, you know, managers, broadcasters, media people, you know, the people that have had great baseball lives. That's what the museum is all about. And they have the different wings. All right, we, you know, we need to take a trip together, Cody, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's been a while since I've been there. I haven't been there since 99. That's, I've been there since 98, so we went around the same time just a year apart. Then again, I was 10 years old when I went, so a little difference in the uh, age group for me when I went, but... Uh, I, I want to go back a lot, like really bad. I mean, it's not that far from where my parents live in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm cheap, so I'll probably stay with them and drive to New York because it's probably expensive to stay in Cooperstown. So I'll just drive from old Pittsburgh. But uh, uh, Stop. Uh, there's one more guy I thought of. What about Walt Jockety? Walt Jockety's had a nice career too. Yeah. With the A's and the Cardinals and, and the Reds. I mean, those Reds teams he put together and the Cardinals. I mean, but I think the, the, the what, what can we say, the four horsemen – uh, I'm not talking about Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and and Harley Race. I'm talking about Billy, Sandy, I guess Brian Cashman and uh, Theo would be the four. Maybe Brian Sabian. Maybe he's like the new heir of the four horsemen. Uh, Ric Flair's already in the Hall of Fame. He's been in the Hall. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame like three different times, I think. <laughs> that was sort of the great tweet that that someone put out, like. Tom Brady's only won how many times? Ric Flair's won like 16. <laughs> yeah. Brady's won seven. Yeah. Brady's won seven Super Bowls, right? Is it seven? Yeah. And Ric Flair's a 16-time world champion, so Brady's still nine titles away from catching Ric Flair. <laughs> hey, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Uh, by the way, uh, Ken Korak Hall of Fame? I think he's a guy that I, – I, I mean, I'm biased. I would say yes because there's a lot of guys – Broadcasting-wise, it should go with him. I think Pat Hughes will be a Hall of Famer. Pat Hughes has been on the ballot the last, you know, for the, what is that, the. What about what about Raymond Fossey? You know how long, Fossey's been broadcasting for like 20, 28, 29 years, maybe yeah. 30. We'll talk to the voice of your Oakland Athletics next. Ken Korak's going to join us right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. He is the voice of your Oakland Athletics. He is the voice of summer, and he's getting back to work. Ken Korak, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Chris. The car is packed, and I'll be on the road tomorrow morning. Well, I don't know if you've been able to listen to today's show, but we uh, we put you in the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, tonight. Uh, we, we got the Ford C. Frick Award for you. Well, you know, if I live another hundred years, that might happen. <laughs> but I appreciate that. But you know what? It's not something I'm thinking about. That's for sure. But if you think the about that, how the fact the fact that Bill King is in, I think, is all that we've ever asked for as A's broadcasters and A's fans. Well, if you think about how long you've been doing it, and then I'll throw in Fossey too. I mean, there could be a change <laughs> made. You know, Fosse really, and I think, <clears throat> I think this is Fosse's thirty. Not sure exactly. I could look it up. Thirty-sixth year that he's been associated with A's radio. 
So, I mean, he, he really goes back, um, I think, pretty much to the, the, the first time that, that Bill and Lon worked together back in 81, right around then. Yeah, it's it's truly been amazing. I mean, it's just uh, the run that Ray has had is really, really special. Uh, and, and for you, just how much are you just fired up to get back to calling baseball? Because it just seems like it's just been this super long off season. Yeah, it's interesting, too, Chris, because if you look back to last year and, and when we were down in Phoenix and we learned that uh, spring training was going to be postponed and eventually canceled i guess my last day down there was on march was literally march 9th and i'll be driving down tomorrow and it's exactly one year to the day so i'm looking forward to it obviously fans will be down there about 2,000 uh fans a game and uh i i think the other thing too chris is that there is a lot of excitement about this club Uh, i spent some time on the phone today with steve finelli who's uh, one of the asvps and of course he oversees the ticket operation and he told me that, you know, there's been a, a great response from the A's fans and a lot of enthusiasm about this ball club. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the fact that we're all looking forward to uh, getting back to seeing some baseball. Yeah, I think it's far different for us that really follow it compared to the national guys that we bring on. Like we had Bob Nightingale on today. Bob really, he knows the A's, but some national guys can. They just, you know, they're, they're going to go the easy route and say Hendricks is gone, Simeon's gone, these guys are going to struggle. And you're like, no, they replace them. And the bullpen and the starting staff, it's like you could make an argument that this team is better than the last three teams. Would you agree with that? Well, I'm not sure. You know, they won 97 games two years in a row and then won the division in the truncated season last year. So I'm not sure I'm going to go that far. I think it's possible. Um, but people always underplay the A's. The expectations are always, I think, lower nationally than they are within the clubhouse because that's all that, that's all that really matters, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. The fact that the, the staff and the guys in the club believe that they can win and I think there's no question they have that belief again this year. You know, we just ran a promo, Chris Bassett, talking about how the clubhouse in Oakland is just so great and everybody loves being here and playing here. And then when guys leave that, you know, teammates, old teammates still talk and they go, man, this this clubhouse is miserable. You know, we're very lucky because there are a lot of clubhouses. And I can tell you, traveling around with the Raiders, I saw a lot of miserable people. I mean, be, I mean there's, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of people in because professional sports is so hard. And when you're not doing well, it is miserable. Well, and there's, I think one of the things too, and this goes back even to the, the early two thousands when they went to the postseason four years in a row that you want to have a culture where there's high expectations. And so when a veteran or even a, a younger player joins a new ball club like the A's, you kind of got to fall in line or you're going to get left behind because, and, and the other thing too, because there's, there is that, that kind of expectation and expectation that you have to perform. And when you're, and I talked about this a lot the last couple of years, when your best players are your hardest workers and you and I have, have, you know, when you were going out to the games before last year, and you come out early and you see guys like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson 
And of course, Marcus, when he was with the club, and the, the way they work before the games, um, taking infield practice, and this would start well before the first pitch. And so when your best player is set the tone, Chris, then it, it, it makes it really easy for the rest of the guys to fall in line. Yeah, it's one thing that Cody and I talk about, Ken, that we miss so much is being on the field doing A's cast live before before the game starts. I mean, we have access that really no other – no one else really has in the game. And the fact that we're doing a live talk show Monday through Friday from the field and players are walking by and just picking up a headset and coming on and being able to talk to the players well before anybody is led into the stands. I, I can tell you that's one thing the commander and I truly miss. Well, yeah, and we all miss having you there. And let's just hope we can get back to that. And I think we're, we're making progress uh, around the country. Uh, vaccinations and the uh, case counts are going down. Talking about the virus, Chris, and with fans being allowed back into the ballpark. So we're taking, I think, positive steps here. And then hopefully eventually you guys will be back down on the field where you belong. Well, you put on a good face last year, but it, it was very tough. And I know it was tough for you and Vinny and Ray and Glenn and everybody having no fans in the ballpark, calling games on monitors that sometimes they didn't even work. Um, I, I, I think there's going to be a great appreciation for you having just the fans back because I know how much the fans mean to you. Well, there's no question I wouldn't be here without the support of the fans. None of us would be. And like I said, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm from the A's fan base. And I think that was galvanized when the A's went out and you know, the flurry of moves that they made uh, toward the end of the offseason that I think really jump-started the, the, the fan base in terms of the energy that uh, A's fans, I think, right now thinking about this the, the, the season and the enthusiasm. But, you know, Chris, it was still a fulfilling year last year. I know you and I have talked about this quite a bit that the fact that people really wanted baseball even though it was a shortened season and when people were sheltering in place and I've always broadcast the games thinking about the shut-ins primarily that even though it was a different year for us on the year uh, it was very fulfilling I think to have the opportunity uh, to broadcast baseball last year and provide that that kind of diversion and, and entertainment last year. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, you know, in our careers, we're going to look back and just thankful for the 60 game, just thankful to work again and, and you know, to give us something to do every single day. Because, of course, where we were here in Santa Clara County, I mean, everything's shut down. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. I so look forward to working, Ken. You know, sometimes it's like, uh, got to work today. But I was so looking forward every day to every show just to be able to do something. And I still yeah. feel because I think 2020 and 2021 are kind of so far they've been kind of similar. Well, I, I don't know. I think 2021 has gotten off to a much better start. I'm really enthused with the direction the country is going. So um, I would beg to differ with you from that standpoint. Now, my perspective might be a little bit different because I've been amongst the fortunate, my wife as well, Denise, and that we've gotten both of our vaccinations. So uh, and that was kind of an emotional thing. And, and hopefully, everyone will be vaccinated in the not too distant future but that was a that was a big step for us of course well now that that's great to hear and and you know that's going to be a key part of of getting people back into the ballpark and and to have for sure 
full crowds. Because I think the one thing we saw was spring training. Like once they put the spring training tickets up for sale, like every team, they're like sold out immediately because everybody just wants to get back to some entertainment in their lives. Yeah, and they really want baseball. I mean, there's no question about it. And I'm I'm interested to go down and kind of get a sense of what that's going to be like. Because I think even with 2,000 fans and, and the way you can still see, I was watching the, the game the other day on TV when the A's played the Angels, that there are people sitting out on the, on the berms, on the grassy hillsides out there. So um, I think it's going to be cool. So it's not quite the same. Maybe it's not the complete kind of magical experience that you get in spring training, but at least some semblance will take that. Yeah, can we get some Bo Mel and Ken Korak on Zoom, please? <laughs> I was on with him on the Zoom call today, but we'll, you know, we'll when we get going here, we'll have the Bo Mel shows for you every day. Yeah, he's just he's so great. The way that you know he just embraces what we need to do in our jobs, and we're really lucky to have him from that standpoint. Yeah, people don't understand. You can have a manager that doesn't get it. And it makes life rough for everybody. No question. And it, it, yeah, it's just, you don't want to have a pit in your stomach when you ask questions of the manager. You know, I've never had a time when he said, don't ask me this, or you can't ask me that. There may be times when he says, you know, maybe I have to um, couch it in a certain way or, or temper what I have to say, but he's never was never once been a situation where he said, don't ask me something. Now, if people listen enough, they'll know this. But if you don't know this, he's so superstitious, it's crazy. Well, yeah, I think that's a, that's an understatement, right? Yeah. And no, You've and no experienced one, it. No, no one experiences it more than you. Yeah, well, what he says is he says, I'm not superstitious, but just in case. <laughs> right. But, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll be ready for that on opening day. There's no question. We'll be ready. It's great to hear your voice. I can't wait to hear you on Wednesday. Have a safe drive down to Arizona, and we can't wait to see you in Oakland. And by the way, I was thinking about this, too, on the way out. You know, even though we only had those 60 games, those shows you and I did celebrating the 70s teams, that was actually a lot of fun. I'm so glad we did that. Yeah, I really do think you guys did a great job because even though there were no games being played, you still were talking baseball, Chris. And the commander, you know, behind the scenes does a great job. So I think we all had to be a little more creative, right? And, uh, you know, the, the one game that Fossey and I did, the play-by-play of from the world, one of the – was 74? It was 74, the Dodgers. And we're doing the game, the play-by-play off of the computer screen from the NBC California – uh, replay of that game. That was a pretty unique experience. So, but yeah, I think it was worthwhile. All right, buddy. Be well. We'll talk soon. Okay, man. Thanks for having me. The great Ken Korak right here on A's Cast Live. Get him back to work. You got Vinny, you got Ray, Dominic Catronio being on the broadcast. Every single broadcast right here on A's Cast. And that's been a treat to listen to that. There's just something about being able to put it on your phone, whether you're going, I don't know, you're working out, you're going for a bike ride, playing for me a lot, playing golf and listen to the games has been uh, 
therapeutic, to say the least. It's been very nice just to hear our guys back on the air. Yeah, listen, some of Dom called the game today. I mean, that was a, I guess he called a laugher because it was a, what was the final 10 3? I mean, yeah, Bob, it was a stinker. But Bobby Wood Jr. had a home run. I don't think it still hasn't landed yet off of uh, Yasmero uh, Pettit, as uh, people like to call him. Uh, Petit is what we call him. Uh, the one nice thing about Ken's dad I read on, on uh, about Ken, and his, I knew he got vaccinated because Alex Coffey of The Athletic tweeted it. Ken's dad, who's 102 years old, is also vaccinated. So that is great to hear as well, that Ken's dad at 102 years old got the vaccine. And I believe she put, he was born in 1919, the second year of the 1918 influenza pandemic. So his dad's been through two of them now. Wow, so it's... Whenever, whenever we talk to Ken about his dad, it's just like, wow. I mean, I don't know if he's still driving, but it wasn't that long ago that his dad was still driving. And you're like, live to be 100. Oh, the, 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 man, just imagine what someone like that has seen in their lifetime. If you live to be 80 or more, what you'll see in your lifetime, which you'll, how technology and the world changes uh, – it's just, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think about my grandparents. I mean, all my grandparents are unfortunately passed, but my grandma was born in 1919, and she passed a few years ago, like a month before her 99th birthday. And, like, she lived through some of the craziest stuff in history, uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, the Great Depression. Just she th- lived through both world wars. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, and then you, you figured there's the Korean War, and you had, obviously, Vietnam, and the how many golf wars have we had since then? Like just all the stuff that she lived through and here, like for me, I'm 32 years old. I've lived through uh, the golf wars and, you know, there's been interesting stuff, but like just the stuff that, you know, the older generations have gone through. It's crazy to hear the history um, and just learn, learn stuff that we never knew about. Like I had, a, I had a great uncle. I never got a chance to hear it because he never talked about it to anyone and he passed on. But my uh, great uncle was a, was a POW in Korea for five years. And he never wow. told the story. And he finally said he was going to help. Uh, we were doing a project in college, and he was going to tell us. He was going to, you know, finally um, express what happened. And then he changed his mind because he just, he didn't want to talk about it. And like he, even my aunt never knew the whole story of what happened. So, um, just stories like that are incredible to hear when you hear them. So, uh, to know Ken's dad is 102 years old and he got vaccinated and he's been through both uh, pandemics. Uh, that's just a testament to um, how long and how great of a life he's had. It's called Good Genes, my man. Very good genes. And speaking, if you ever get a chance and you're in Kansas City, go to the World War I Museum. It's one of the top museums in our country. Because I don't think our generation really got a whole lot of World War I history. We got a lot of World War II. But World War I was far more countries the most deaths ever in a war, such a complex war. Go to the World War I Museum. It, 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 I mean, it's it, you can spend a day there, and it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. If you get to Kansas City, get the barbecue, go to the Negro League Museum, go to the Jazz Museum, and go to the World War I Museum. Just a little advice from little Uncle Townie right here on A's Cast Live. We still have Martin Gallegos to uh, have on the program at 6.30. And I can't wait to talk virtual reality, the new wave. 
remember, I, I don't know when we got into this, because it's been so long since we were normal with this show. But do you remember we were talking about the next frontier in Major League Baseball is like neuroscience. Yeah. It's the brain. That's a big uh, Lucas G. That was a big Lucas Giolito thing. Uh, I remember we talked about that was that was like around this time last year or maybe like before the season started. I do remember that conversation, though, because that was that was a huge thing. I remember when we were talking about. Remember when we talked about how the big thing in college baseball was you got three schools building these these high tech labs. Like I remember some of the crazy stuff we've gone over, but I totally remember the 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 brain study and that how that's a big thing uh, going forward. I mean, that's the you know. I don't know if they've maxed out with you know traditional data, which hard to believe it's called traditional data, but you know, numbers are just they are what they are. This virtual reality is is I can face a, a pitcher before the game ever starts. I can go through all of his pitches. I can go through his mannerisms. I can check. I can see all this in virtual reality and train my brain, train my body to get ready to face this guy. This virtual reality may be better than batting practice for you. I mean, batting practice, just that's just warming you up. But this is training your mind to face a guy, to have the feels. Like I always talk about that with golf. If you have your feels, your short game, your long iron, you know, you got to have your, your hands got to be, everything's got to be right. Body's got to be hands, body, everything's got to be working together. Well, you can really work on that with this virtual reality. I don't know exactly how it works because we haven't seen it, but I get the idea of it. And I think it's fascinating. I think the fact that, you know, you think of the toughest guys ever to hit. Think of a guy like Randy Johnson. Like Bob Melvin owned Randy Johnson, by the way. Um, but he's an uncomfortable at bat. Think about if you're a left-handed hitter, how uncomfortable it would have been to face Randy Johnson at 6'10". But how much would it help if you would have been able to put on, I'm, I'm thinking it's some type of headgear, the stuff that I've, you know, like video game stuff that we've seen, you put that on and you're able to see Randy and you're able to see the pitches and just to get ready as a left-handed hitter to see what it looks like coming at you, knowing that the ball's not going to hit you because you're in virtual reality, unless someone messes with you and <laughs> puts one in your back. But I just, you're training your brain. It's, 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 it's the new wave. I know quarterbacks, they've done it with quarterbacks where they put the virtual reality on them so they can see the defenses and they can see, you know, because if you're playing quarterback, your your eyes are up and you're trying to read at what this defense is going to do. Who's blitzing? Who's not? What's the coverage? Is it cover one, cover two, cover three? You know, they're dis- especially in the NFL, they're disguising their coverage. So you have your keys there. So they've done virtual reality with quarterbacks to try and train them how to read defenses at the line of scrimmage. Uh, this is kind of the same thing. I like it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, and we heard Bob Melvin talk about it, and Jake Diekman had comments about it too. And he's he hopes there's a uh, he hopes that they they make it for pitchers too. I mean that'd be cool for pitchers to be able to 
you know, fa- you know, virtually see batters in front of them too. It's the Oculus thing. I, the, I see you, you'll see commercials for it every once in a while on TV. That that's essentially what they're using right now. And you know, someone that, I never really did a lot of VR. I mean, I know what it is and I know how it works as someone that plays video games. And like, you can get VR from I have PS4. Like, you can get it for that, but like, I don't have it. But it's really cool. Like, it's kind of the next thing that's come. It's that's trying to take up. Remember when X-ray gl- or uh, 3D glasses were the big thing? You know, years ago, like back in the like what like 80s or 90s, and then they brought it back again for movies, and it caught on. Like the the VR is a huge thing, and I'm glad to see sports are starting to embrace it because, as Bob Melvin said, you're just trying to keep up with the times essentially by using it. And I don't think you have to worry about uh, with VR. You don't have to worry about cheating like you do with a uh, uh, science uh, science stealing like the Astros. I mean, I'm sure that at some point, maybe down the road, there's something that someone develops with it, but it's kind of hard when it's just a virtual reality thing and it's not real. But those commercials they show on TV, like people will be like climbing buildings or scaling buildings, and the they fall yeah. off. Like, like that. That I, I think it's a cool thing, like to see a picture, like you said, Randy Johnson, or seeing a Jacob Degrom or Ver, uh, Justin Verlander right now. Like it, it would be a huge boost for hitters, and hopefully we we get to talk to Matt Chapman soon. We can ask him about it because you know we didn't know about this when we talked to Matt Olson, but since Matt Chapman's been using it, because uh, it's in the article that Martine wrote about how they use it 30 minutes before the game yesterday against Adam Pluko of the of the Indians. So uh, I'm curious to see what the players think about it, because if it's a thing that's going to help them, I think it's just going to grow more and more in baseball. Well, players are only going to use stuff that they think makes them better. So, you know, that's how it works with professional sports, because if you think something's not working for you, you get you try and get away from it as fast as you can. And I'm interested in like how do you, how, how do you load it up? How how do you get Jacob Degrom, or how do you get Clayton Kershaw, or Walker Bueller, or Sean Mania, or whoever? How do you get them on this thing? How how's it loaded? How does it work? How how do you, how do you get the? Because I essentially it's going to be video that's put into this virtual reality device that's going to have a pitcher's. It's going to have all his pitches. So if you're fastball, slider, split, whatever you are, change up, it's all going to be on there. Like, who's loading it? How do they do that? Well, we're supposed to talk about and, and at what point do pitchers go, hey, you know what? You can't do this. <laughs> like, at what point do they go to the players' union and say, hey, this is bogus. You shouldn't be able to do this because we can't. Once again, here's another thing that's set up for the offense that's not set up for the de- for for the pitching or the defense. You can use pine tar on your bat, but you can't use pine tar on the ball. Why? Why do they get the advantage to have better grip, but the pitchers don't? Explain that one to me. I'm I'm a terrible. I was a, I was a hitter, so I don't know. I. Well, then again, I never got to use any of that stuff. We use metal bats. But do you so. see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I completely, I completely know where you're coming from. And I'll play the audio for you from Jake Diekman. He met, like what the way he mentions that. I don't, he's joking, but like he has a good point. So here's what Jake Diekman had to say about the VR and Olsen and Chapman uh, hitting home runs yesterday. Them boys can hit. I mean, they could hit 45 homers a year. I, I do think that the Oculus thing. They need to make something where the pitchers can get better against the hitter because they were in there doing simulation stuff and then 30 minutes later whack and i was like this ain't even fair i don't disagree with them i think how would you simulate i mean that that this is obviously so far from our pay grade um 
I guess you could put like Mike Trout up. I don't know if he's going to swing or not, but at least you could like in virtual reality get the feeling of throwing to Mike Trout and making your pitches against Mike Trout. As long as he's standing there, I'm training my mind because I got a scout. Everybody's got a scouting report on something. So maybe with virtual reality, I'm able to throw pitches to the zones I want to and the different velocities with just Mike Trout sitting up there at the plate. But once again, we haven't seen it, so we don't know how it works. Like, I understand how you can feel like you're scaling a building, but what's it going to be like, you know, if you got Mike Trout at the plate? No clue. Yeah, I'm curious to see how they work this out. We're gonna we're supposed to. I talked to them yesterday. We're supposed to talk to David Force on Friday. Maybe David Force has some ideas. I mean, you know, or has understands how it works. I mean, he is the general manager. I'm sure he, uh, you know, he's he's not going to tell you. He's not going to be like Jeffrey Luna. I'm like, yeah, I had no idea what they were doing. Like he, David knows what's going on, so I'm sure he knows how this VR stuff works. Because if your players are using it and it's working, why would you not embrace it more, especially around the sport overall? So. I'm fascinated by it. When you sent me that article this morning, I was like, "What? what is this? What's he sending me to 8 o'clock in the morning? And I look at it. Oh, like, I know. I'm like, virtual reality. These guys are using this virtual reality. I thought that was just video game stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating read. Well, Martin Gallegos will join us next from MLB.com right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Speaking of a good setup, remember how good his setup was when we had him on from Miami? Yeah, it was a certain ESPN. ESPN had him in a good setup. I mean, he was getting up to call games at 5 in the morning or whatever it was on the East Coast. And, the KBO? Uh, the KBO, yeah. Yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea when the, 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 the national broadcasts are going to have broadcasters in the stadium. We have no idea, but there's our man, Martin Gallegos. How are you, buddy? What's up, Tony? I'm doing good. Good to be on again. Yeah, it's good to see you. How is uh, life down there in Arizona? Well, I'm actually uh, about to head back home. Uh, I was out here for the first two weeks, but uh, it's been good. I mean, um, got a chance to see all of the uh, pre-workouts prior to spring training, and you know, the first wave of games were a little weird with the seven inning formats and, and trying to get as many looks at guys as you can, but I'm um, just trying to make the best of it. I think it's still kind of, kind of weird, but it, it seems like, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like things are getting back to normal with fans at the stands and stuff. So, so it's, it, it was good. It was a good experience. Yeah. I asked Sean Mania this, I, it just gotta be strange that you're so used to doing spring training and there's so many guys everywhere but now you do spring training and the minor leaguers are not there yet. What has that been like? Yeah, it's, it's been weird. I mean, um, you're, you're so used to, uh, you know, showing up to spring training and, and being able to go in the clubhouse and, and not just the clubhouse at Ho-Ho Cam, but also um, going over to the minor league complex and, and checking out all the guys who uh, you've been hearing about, you know, hearing these big things about. You get to look at them up close and, um, you know, I got there, I got there, uh, the first, first day that media was allowed and, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, we're, we're situated in a, in a little area by the bullpens where we can only see like half of the workout. So, um, it, it's been weird adjusting to it all, but, um, I think we're all trying to make the most of it. Um, but, uh, certainly, it's certainly different. It's certainly different from last spring because last spring we were there and it was normal until 
obviously the shutdown came and then we were just sent home. But prior to that, we were still operating at a pretty uh, normal uh, routine. You know, uh, this morning I saw the article about virtual reality and I sent it to Cody. I'm like, this is fascinating. Like, this is the we've been preparing for what's next in baseball and it's neuroscience. It's training the brain. And that's what virtual virtual reality can do for you. I don't know if you've seen the technology. I don't know. What are they wearing? How's it going? But uh, I, I think it's, I, I think it's fascinating and a, and a great way to train your brain before the game. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like it worked for Chapman and Olsen. I mean, they took a uh, Plutko deep first pitch, but um, yeah, it's a trend that's been going on the, the past couple of years. I know the Dodgers are, are really into it. And I mean, we, we, we see them, how their offense performs. Um, I think it's something that definitely is a big benefit to hitters nowadays. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I talked to, you know, one of the, one of the developers of the, of the program that the A's are using, and it's crazy how they can simulate, you know, the exact picture they're going to face, you know, even 30 minutes before they're going to face and they can go in there and kind of put the goggles on and just see, you know, how a guy looks and, and figure out all the information, release points, velocity, you know, tendencies. It's crazy how much uh, info they have on these guys. And um, it certainly is, uh, is the new, new age of baseball. I mean, you, you just, you know, a handful of years ago, you would have never thought something like this would be in baseball. But, um, you know, as each year goes on, we get more technology. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool. I think uh, especially for the younger players coming up, I think they're definitely going to embrace it because, I mean, we're in a generation where, you know, we grew up playing MLB the show and all these video games. And it's kind of like you're, you're doing that, but you're training your mind to, you know, face a play, a pitcher that you're going to face that day or the, the day next. So it's pretty cool. You know, the guy I thought of, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, it's, it's the uncomfortable at bat. I think of left-handed hitters facing Randy Johnson, how scary that must've been where you just, you get in the box and this guy's throwing a hundred miles an hour. And it, you know, he's so huge. Can you imagine a half hour before the game, you're a left-handed hitter, you could have saw Randy Johnson over and over and over again, how much that would have helped you before your four at-bats? Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, I'm sure pitchers hate it. I mean, I hope I think they probably think they're hoping they could outlaw that at some point. But, uh, I mean, it's such, it's such a great tool. I mean, and, and it's uh, – I don't see how it's not going to be, you know, used by all all the teams at some point. I think that's coming pretty soon. I know the A's are just barely barely trying it out this year, but – I mean, the, the way the way it sounds, the way it's being received by the guys in the clubhouse, it sounds like it's something that's definitely going to be here to stay for the, for the long term. Well, I think you might have hit the nail on the head. If I'm a pitcher, I'm not happy that you – okay, it's one thing if you can watch video, you recorded the game, that, that okay, but now you're making me a virtual reality person and you're using that against me and I don't have a way to use it against you. If I'm a pitcher, I mean, do you go to the players' union? I mean, I, I don't know what you do, but this is this. I mean, you're giving the hitters a major, major advantage over these pitchers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were t- uh, Jake Deacon was talking about it yesterday, and he, he was saying, um, I think there, there's a way for pitchers to actually study hitters with it as well, but it's not. It's obviously not as detailed as as the hitting side of it. And he was saying that maybe at some point they develop a little bit more technology to help the pitchers, um, you know, simulate, you know, how, how they're going to face a hitter. Uh, so, so maybe that's coming out at some point, but right now, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely technology that leans more towards the hitter, which uh, like, like you said, the, the, the pitchers are not going to be happy about that too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we already give them every advantage in the world. You give them juice baseballs, you give them all this other stuff. I mean, <laughs> 
at some point we got to start helping the pitchers out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough to be a pitcher these days, man. So much technology out there. And then one thing I I just I just went off of Cody. It's like, oh, the hitters can use pine tar, but the pitchers can't. They can get a better grip on the bat, but I can't get the better grip on the bat. Ah, it's unfair. But I'm a former pitcher. That ha- that's how it works out. Uh, <laughs> the confidence around this team. They have been confident for the last three years, but it almost seems like they've grown up a little bit. What are you seeing down at spring? Yeah, I think for sure. I think definitely, uh, you know, I remember I was here, you know, 2018 when, you know, these guys were barely coming up and, you know, they seemed like a pretty confident group then as well, but they didn't have the experience. And now coming into this year, especially with, with Chapman and Olsen at the top, just kind of coming into camp with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. It seems like they both are kind of feeling like they've been written off a little bit after last year with Chapman with the injury and Olsen going through kind of a, you know, a down year on offense um, with the batting average. So they have something to prove, which, you know, I think I think that's only gonna be it's only gonna make this team even better because if those guys are playing with an edge to them, I mean they they can they can put up big numbers on offense and I mean we all know what they do on defense as well on a daily basis. So um, I think there's a lot of confidence with this group overall, just having been together for so long and especially the additions they made in the last you know two three weeks before spring training. I think that really um, sent a message to them that they're they're going in for this and they're trying to go deeper than last year. They're not they weren't satisfied just against the LDS and. You know, they've revamped the bullpen, and it looks like they're in a really good spot um, heading into the season. You know, we love Liam Hendricks, and Liam was on this program more than any other day. He was on all the time, and we got to know him real well. But people forget how good Trevor Rosenthal was with the Padres. And we had Trevor on this show, and Trevor talked about how he did not want the season to end because he was throwing the ball so great. Uh, when you look at him coming in, yes, in an ideal world, we still have Liam Hendricks, but what do you think about Trevor replacing him? Yeah, I mean, you could, that was literally, I mean, that was the best they could have done. I mean, if, if you're going to lose Liam Hendricks, you look at the guys available to you. You know, Trevor Rosenthal is at the top of the list. I mean, of, of guys who are, you know, realistically attainable. And you, you, you would think, you know, with so many teams out there interested in them, there's no chance the A's could get them. And, you know, they end up getting them for $11 million, deferring the contract a little bit. Um, so, um, you know, the, the main thing was he wanted to come to Oakland. You know, he, uh, you know, saw, you know, the talent that was on this team and he wanted to play for a team where obviously he's going to get save opportunities, but at the same time, a contender who, you know, won the division last year and could make a deep playoff run. So um, it worked out that both sides were interested and, and, you know, he was willing to make a deal with them because I, I can guarantee you there was a lot of teams, you know, out there trying to sign Trevor Rosenthal after the year he had last year. You know, that's, you know, what you just said speaks so much to Bob Melvin because, I've been around this thing a long time, and I remember when nobody wanted to be here. The fact that people want to be here, they want to come here, they feel like they can win a championship, they want to be a part of the fun. Chris Bassett was talking about it on our show where he says, you know, some some guys will talk about just how miserable they are in these other places, and everybody's having fun. And I think that all goes back to Bob Melvin. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when, uh, you know, Elvis Andrews, we talked to him, you know, earlier this spring, and you talked about how he loved Bob Melvin. It seems like all the guys who come in, you know, they they who have played against Bob Melvin they, or they've heard about him, you know, they always, you know, go back to, you know, just the way he, you know, is a, is a guy who lets his players be themselves and he doesn't, you know, try to, you know, police guys in the clubhouse. He just lets them be free. And I mean, that's why you see them, you know, so loose in the clubhouse. They kind of take on his, his persona. And, um, you know, Bob's definitely changed the culture here because I think, yeah, like you said, years ago, a guy like Elvis Andrews, who's, you know, once a, you know, a big star, you know, in the game, well, you know, why would he want to come to a place like Oakland? It's because of the people that are here who, 
have kind of changed the culture here. And, and you know, it starts at the top with Bob Melvin, who's done a great job, and he's really molded this this clubhouse um, into winners. You know, one thing we do know, when Jed Lowry is healthy, the guy can hit. I, I don't know how much you got to talk to him. We talked to him. He said he's healthy. I believe he may be playing tomorrow. Uh, are you buying stock in Jed Lowry being back with the A's? Well, he feels comfortable here. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. He he truly believes that, you know, coming back here and, and being with this training staff and this team, they, they find a way to keep him, you know, on the field. And early on in camp, you know, he was kind of rehabbing, coming back from, from the knee surgery. He hasn't been playing in games yet, but we saw him playing defense and we saw him um, taking some swings. And, you know, he, he looked – He's never been, the, you know, the most athletic guy, but he, he was pretty mobile out there and, and was making, you know, the, the plays that he should make. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see him tomorrow in tomorrow's game and see how he looks. Um, but I think he feels good about being back in Oakland and, you know, being, you know, his third time around, knowing this team, being so comfortable um, in Oakland. I think that's that plays a huge role here. And um, if, if there's any place where he's going to turn it around at this point in his career, I think his best bet is Oakland. And I think he knew that as well. So. Um, it, it was, you know, both sides were interested in it. And, um, you know, I think if he stays healthy and if he could get through this camp healthy, he's got a pretty good shot to to be the everyday second baseman or at least, you know, starting out with a really prominent role with this club. Yeah, I think people forget. I mean, this is a guy that set the record for most doubles with 49 and then followed that up with, an, you know, getting MVP votes. I think people forget how good Jed was for the A's. He was an extra base hitting machine. And really the only guy that we've seen in years where Bob Melvin said every day, you're hitting third. Because Melvin usually switched the lineup. They're switching all the time. But when Jed was here, he was penciled in every day in the three hole. Yeah. And I mean, that, that uh, you know, that last all-star year, I mean, he was hitting doubles like crazy. And he was, he was you know, that constant and that kind of like, the way Simeon was in 2019, Jed Lowry was that guy in 20, 2018. I mean, he was just so good that year offensively. And even on defense, I mean, he was, you know, making all the plays. So, I mean, he had a really good year. And if they, if he can, I mean, I don't know what, what to expect from him for the regular season. I don't know if he could be the 2018 form of him. But if he can become, you know, a mainstay in, in one of those spots in the lineup for the A's that Bob Melvin could write in there every day, I mean, it would make this, it would make this team so much better that, than you even thought maybe was possible. Um, before they brought him in because you weren't really sure what was going to happen at second base after Tommy Lestella left. And I mean, if Jed Lowry can be a healthy Jed Lowry, that's a pretty good replacement right there. You know, it's funny when I interview people and I'll ask some questions and they'll be, and I can tell they're going to disagree with me, but a lot of around COVID because they don't, they don't understand how locked up we've been. Like people don't around the country, they don't get it. Like we here, especially where Cody and I are, Santa Clara County, you know, we were basically at one point by far the most locked up county in the country. So for us, it's like it's a we haven't been to a baseball game since we haven't been to an official game since the wild card game against Tampa. That's how long ago it's been. So that's why I always wonder and I like to ask, what's the experience like? You're in the ballpark. There's fans there like we have no idea. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to feel you're going to truly, you know, I think I'll truly start to think about it once the regular season starts. It was pretty cool, though, to see fans, especially on the, the opener that they had against the Dodgers to see the, the stadium pretty full um, for the capacity. I think it was sold out for the, for the amount of fans who were there and they were, they were loud. There's a lot of Dodger fans, but it was loud and it was still cool to hear, um, you know, that action, you know, the, the loudness when, you know, a guy hits a home run or, 
you know, a guy's trying to steal a base because for so long we got used to just hearing silence or that fake crowd noise, which was kind of weird and kind of ruined big moments, I think, in a way, because, I mean, there, it was just the same constant noise the whole time. So that was kind of awkward. So to hear actual natural noise, I mean, I know the players loved it. I think after the game, we talked to them and they, they, they didn't even realize how much they missed it and how big it was for them to kind of get them going. And for a spring training game, for them to be amped up, I think Buddy Reed, we talked to him, he said he was, he was nervous going into that game because he heard the fans uh, warming up before the game. It's just, it's different. It brings another element that we were missing for so long. And uh, I know it's going to be fun to see, you know, fans at the Coliseum again because, um, you know, it was, just, it was weird last year going through that. Well, you've been doing great work, my man. Have a safe trip back to the Bay, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Tony. Martin Gallegos joining us here on A's Cast Live. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to us, you're in the Bay Area for the most part. And you understand. But I don't think everybody else understands. Like, Cody and I, I'm looking at Cody every day in his apartment, and he's looking at me every day in in my home studio. We don't see each other. I mentioned Dick Callahan's wake. And, and seeing A's employees, past employees and, and current employees, we haven't seen these people in over a year. Couldn't tell you last time I saw Bob Melvin or the players. It would have been spring training last year that we saw him. But, yeah, that's our, our world has been so different than a lot of other people's world. When you agree, Cody, when we talk to these people, it's like they have no, they have no idea what it's been like here compared to where they live. Not at all. My parents don't understand because uh, they're in Pennsylvania, so it's a little different for them. But, yeah, well, hopefully soon. Well, not hopefully. It's got to happen soon. Uh, you'll see something different. I'll be living in a different apartment, so the scenery will change, I guess. Instead of looking in the background and you see blinds and the balcony door, you'll just see – and the dog. And the dog. You'll see a wall, and it just says good vibes only is what it's going to say in my wall. And, my, and in your fiancé our... in the background. Yeah, when she's when she's around, when she's not, you know, sleeping or, you know, for work or whatever, at work. So, yeah, be different. That, I, I mean, the fact that the club I belong to, the jacuzzi's closed. But I could be down at Pismo Beach at a resort, and there's like 10 people in the jacuzzi. <laughs> and you're like... Yeah, down south's been way different than. I mean, even in our own state, down south has been different than than what we've been. Yeah, I think I saw that uh, L.A. is actually going to move into the the red tier, so meaning the Angels and the Angels and Dodgers could have you know tw- they're hoping to have twenty percent capacity like we will for opening day, which is great. Uh, the Dodgers should have fans at home when they open their season. I don't know who they play, but. Uh, they come to Oak- I know they come to Oakland second series of the year after we play Houston. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see fans at the Coliseum. And we did the whole Houston thing earlier, but uh, it's this is going to be great to have people back at the ballpark. Cause just listening to games now with fans there, and you know we heard the Astros getting booed in, in Florida with the Cardinals fans. It's it's been great, and I'm happy that we're able to start you know seeing welcoming fans back. You know, one of the great things about winning a championship is having the parade. The fact that the Dodgers will never get a parade. No, well, they got to win it again, but I mean, that's kind of sad. Yeah, it's the same with the Lakers. That was a banner year, banter, you know, banner year for LA. Well, actually, Tampa, then LA. Tampa had a hell of a sports year. The Lightning and Tom Brady and 
the Rays into the World Series, but you then you have L.A. with the Lakers and the Dodgers. You're right. Like not having that, that experience with the parade is just – Dodgers haven't won since 88, and they finally win, and they can't even celebrate it in the, in the city of L.A. Actually, I think, the, I think the Lakers did have a parade, actually, now that I think about it. What, Which, in Orlando? No, I thought they had one in L.A. Maybe, maybe they didn't. I don't know. No I thought, way. Yeah, that would have been in, that would have been in October. So well, I wouldn't run at the same time. There's the no were. way. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. I just remember seeing people. <laughs> I just remember seeing people celebrating on the streets of San Diego when the Padres. I think when they beat the Cardinals to go to the NLCS or NLDS. Sorry. Are you ready for buying or selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, well, speaking of buying, uh, I'm just going to address this quickly because it just came out a little bit ago. And we said how Jake Odorizzi signed a two-year deal with the Astros. Well, the particulars came out on it. Uh, Odorizzi is going is getting a guaranteed $20.25 million deal over two years with the Astros. But he will own almost twenty. He will earn almost $24 million with 30 appearances combined in 2021 and 2022. The deal can reach as, up as, as much as $30 million. I think he has an option in it, too. So the Astros... Inking uh, Odorizzi after they lose some starting pitchers. Good move for them. I still don't think that's the move that pushes them over the top in the old AL West. So, Jason Stark, friend of the program, had an article today I read in The Athletic, which is interesting, but we've heard this one before. Who will be the next Ted Williams? Now, we've heard it, various people make their cases on who it would be, but this one's pretty good. And, and as Jason Stark put it, he thinks Juan Soto is at age 22 is the next Ted Williams. He compared their stats through their age 22 seasons, and Soto has Ted Williams beaten a number of categories like walk rate, home run plus walk rate. His on-base percentage through his age 21 season was higher than Ted Williams, and he's only a few points behind in weighted runs created plus 157 to 152, just to name a few stats that Stark looked at. He also talked to a few guys that either played against Ted Williams or managed against him, which Charlie Manuel managed against them. When he was when Ted Williams was the manager, and uh, that was and Jim Cobb was the other, and then two of his hitting coaches he talked to as well. They were talking about how great he is, and I think it was Charlie Manuel said he's Juan Soto was already stronger than Tony Gwynn was. So and Tony Gwynn was a great hitter, uh, but buying or selling Juan Soto is the next Ted Williams. I can't even believe you're asking me that. <laughs> I just can't believe people are making the case. You th- you think you think Juan Soto's going to hit 406? No. I don't. No, he's I mean he's going to he's going to put a If he keeps going on this path, he will be a Hall of Fame player. But you think he's going to match put it this way. I would bet you he doesn't he doesn't match Ted and Ted lost 4 years of his prime to war. You know what Ted Williams's war could have been if he didn't go to war? It would have Ted been Williams, just go to baseball reference, look up Ted Williams, and get back to me. And look how great he was the whole time of his career. Even even old man Ted Williams was amazing. Yeah, and I think we're putting so much, not we, but we, the media, are putting so much pressure on Juan Soto at such an early age. I know he's entering what? This will be his third or this will be his fourth season. And he was great last year. But I mean, come on. To put this much pressure on the kid, I mean he was I mean he was absolutely great last year after coming back from 
the COVID, you know, his battle with COVID and everything, he led the league in a lot of different categories. His on-base percentage was amazing. His batting average was crazy. Just everything he did last year was, was insane. But, again, we're putting so much pressure on him at age 22. You do realize that if Ted Williams didn't lose those four years, he'd probably be considered the greatest player of all time. And you might go, huh, what? He's got a 344 batting average. He drove in 1,839 runs. He scored 1,798. His career OPS is 1,116. Big one for you, Cody. His OPS plus for his career is 191. If Ted Williams doesn't lose those years in his prime, he probably would be up there with the most home runs. He would have the most RBIs. He'd have the highest war. It would it'd be – it's insane. Uh, his if, Yeah, you run through his numbers there. I mean, it's – and again, Juan Soto's only played three years. So to go through his numbers, and I get it, you can compare – You know, I know people go always say they hate comparing eras. But just – I mean, it's great. Soto's been a great player. But, I mean, I think Ted Williams is one of the – if not – one of, if not, the greatest hitter. He's the greatest hitter of all time. Going back his- – his first year, he's 20 years old, okay? He had 31 home runs and 145 RBIs and hit 327 as a 20-year-old. <laughs> Just go look. Go look at the – look how many times Ted led the league in three categories. On-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. And even at the age of 39 – how about this? At the age of 39, he hit 328. 26 home runs and had over a thousand OPS at the age 39. Come on, man. It's what he did was unreal. And you're right. You always mentioned we talk about all the time. If he didn't lose the four years to military service, you never know. Like, hey, what- hey, by the way, by the way, greatest slugging, per- uh, greatest on base percentage in the history of the game. What does he do? He gets on base. So, so speaking of uh, speaking of young players, and well, we're gonna go to New York here for a minute. Mike Lupica, former of the, you know, remember he's been sports reporters on ESPN, but yeah. he works at MLB.com now. He penned an interesting article about two guys who play in New York. They are the only guys to hit 50 or more home runs as rookies. That'd be Aaron Judge and Pete Alonzo. Now, Aaron Judge turns 29 in April, and Pete Alonzo just turned 26. Now, if you would have done this after 2017, then this would have been an easy one, saying that Aaron Judge would have been the better player after hitting 52 home runs as rookie year. Then he missed... 50 games in 2018, 60 in 2019, and he didn't even play half of the Yankees games in 2020. He played in 28 to be exact. In 2019, Pete Alonso had 53 home runs and one rookie of the year, but everybody knows what happened in the 2020 abbreviated season. He only hit 231, even though his home run numbers and his RBIs would have projected out to about 45 and 100 in a full season. Pete Alonso also played 57 games last year. Buying or selling Pete Alonso is the king of New York baseball. The article is about picking who would you build a team around, Pete Alonso or Aaron Judge. Mm. I don't know. I think I, 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 as of right now, I think I'm still going Judge. I'm with but you. I take him too. If, if the polar bear turns it around and has another monster year and he's not hitting 230, 220, okay, then we can change the conversation. Yeah, I think what 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 hurts Judge is he's never healthy, uh, for one. Him and by the way, 
And the new king of New York is Francisco Lindor. Yeah, play a game first, and we'll anoint you the king. Uh, <laughs> play a game at first in New York. But, yeah, he's going to be the guy. And it came out earlier that there's, you know, they're supposed to start talks with the uh, long-term extension for Lindor this week. Uh, so, I mean, I want to see him stay in New York. But if you can get him on base and Pete Alonso's hitting behind him and you can have him drive in some runs with Conforto and Nimmo and Jeff McNeil on base, you know, more power to Pete Alonso to take over New York at the age of 26. He stinks defensively. That's why I would take Aaron Judge still, because Judge is a pretty good outfielder, and he has a good arm for being like 6'8". So I would go Judge, but you're right. If, if Alonzo has a good year this year, it's going to be a little tough if Aaron Judge only plays in 45 games. Where the heck is Lindor going to go other than the New York Mets? Where is he going to go? The Dodgers when they don't resign Corey Seager. Dodgers are going to – he's the NLCS and the World Series MVP. They are going to resign him. Cubs are rebuilding. Red Sox don't want to spend money right now. He's not going to leave New York to go to San Francisco. Come on. There's not many options. Padres have already given out all their $300 million contracts. I mean, where, where, who's, who, who has the money to sign Lindor to have one of, to one of those major contracts? Well, I spent so much money. I mean, it's like his option. He doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of options. Toronto, maybe. Because they want to spend. And they only get Marcus a one-year deal, so but I think he leave. stays in New York. You're gonna you're gonna leave you're gonna leave New York, where the land of opportunity, to go play in Toronto. Really? Yeah, I don't know why you would leave either. Yeah, I don't know why you'd leave either. I'll try to get through these two quickly. The Dodgers and Padres will, will be a great rivalry this season, which we already know. But it got more interesting after Saturday. Trevor Bauer pitched Saturday and threw his first inning against the Padres on Saturday afternoon by pitching mostly with his right eye closed. A training method he said he uses frequently as means to make himself uncomfortable. Here's a quote from Bauer. I figured if they can't if they can't score on me with one eye open, it's going to be difficult to score off me with two eyes open, Bauer said after throwing a scoreless inning against the Dodgers, or the, at the Dodgers facility. Just having a little bit of fun. Then this is Dave Roberts. I think there were, might have been one curveball I think he did with both eyes closed. I don't know, but there is a method to his madness. Now, Bauer said he routinely keeps at least one eye closed in his bullpen sessions while playing long toss, and when facing hitters over the offseason, adding that he likes making himself uncomfortable and throwing different stuff my way and trying to find a solution for it. Buying or selling, Trevor Bauer will pitch with one eye open during the season. <laughs> uh, I'm selling that, but I love it. I just It's the gamemanship, right? I think it's, it's like when it's like when he, he he like tells hitters what's coming. That was great, too. I love that. That was great, too. Yeah, I love that. It's the game inside the game. All right, last one quickly. There's one record I want to see happen in 20 get broken in 2021, but I don't think it will. But this is one I want to see. It has to do with the Dodgers, and that's at the 116 win mark. The 1906 Cubs and 2001 Mariners have both done that. The 98 Yankees won 114 games. The 54 Indians won 111 games. The 1927 Yankees won 110. Uh, the Pirates of 1909, to go back to yesteryear, won 110 games. And the Red Sox in, 19, in 2018 won 108. If you want to look back, the A's in 1931, the Philadelphia A's, won 107 games. The LA Dodgers have won 100-plus games four times, including 106 in 2019. Buying or selling, the Dodgers will win at least 110 games in 2021. How many? 110. At least. I'll sell that. 
That's a lot of games. It is. It is. <laughs> That's a lot of games. You're going. Essentially- I, did, I, did, it, it, I mean, you're telling me to bet. I, 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 I'd take the under. You're essentially you need to go one ten and fifty two over the year, and you, you gotta if you split with the Padres because they're gonna be better. Uh, I mean, it's doable. That team is so good that it could happen. I mean, they were forty three and seventeen through sixty games last year. Uh, but yeah, I think one hundred and ten is a lot of wins, and it's gonna be tough for them to do. That Red Sox team that did in 2018, I think they might have the – with all the playoff series wins, they, they're up there for, like, most wins in the playoffs, so one of the most teams with playoff wins. If the Dodgers can do it, that's going to be great. But, yeah, it's a lot of, that's a lot of – remember the Mariners, they won 116 games. How many – they won the World Series that year? Uh, that'd be incorrect. And let me throw this out there. They just won the World Series. I'm not saying they're, they're not hungry – but are they really going to be that hungry in the regular season when they know it's all about the postseason? Didn't we see this with the Warriors? Once you've won a championship, now you kind of understand how to pace yourself. And so I'm going under on 110. Yeah, I'll take the under two. I think they won over 100 games, though, for sure. They're like the only team projected to win 100 games. There are more teams projected to lose 100 games then there are teams to win 100 games this year. That's sad. It's really sad. I think it's three. I think it's the Pirates, Orioles, and, and Rockies are the three teams that, that are projected to lose 100. And Detroit might lose 100, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. But still, that, to have that many bad teams. Yeah, what, what was it? A couple years ago, there was like, what, five or six teams lost over 100 games. Marlins, Orioles, uh, Detroit. The Royals, and I, there was one other American League team that lost. It might have been the Mariners. Are we replaying the game from today? No, we're going to replay the show. We had a real, we had a, I'm going to pat myself on the back. We had a really solid technical show today. I guess we, we fixed the glitches. <laughs> Nothing, no errors today. Uh, so we, uh, we'll replay the show. And, then and I'll that wait. was a really bad baseball game today. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to hear that one. It was great to hear Dom Catronio, but. To hear uh, Bobby Wood Jr. take uh, Yasmira Petit deep, um, yeah, uh, maybe we don't want to hear that one. Eh, We'll see you tomorrow on the broadcast, and we'll be back A's Cast Live on Wednesday from 4 to 7. Have a great next couple of days, everybody. Be safe, be well. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.